Hello, Manitoba Villians. This is the Manitobaville podcast brought to you by Rodeo Road Studios. My name is Mahangel, and today we are talking to the Association of Manitoba Book Publishers. Now, this was recorded back in 2018. We are publishing it again, coming out of the archives. We've been digging around, rooting around in the archives, and we're going to start a little string of uh, writers, people who have written in different genres, and we are going to start with this. It's the Association of Manitoba Book Publishers. Some of the other interviews that we will be digging into, let me just get my list out here. It's quite a list. We're going to be talking to Danny Schur. He was a writer of music, music writer and producer, and also he wrote Strike the Musical and Stand the Movie. So that's an interesting couple of uh, projects there out of Danny Schur, and we're going to talk about his whole life and how he came to be. We are also going to dig into, where are these? Where are these? Cam Patterson, he's a a film director who has written his his first book, The Need to Know. We're going to look into that one. And I I welcome you to go back to episode 10, uh, Andrew Unger, who wrote Once Removed, a fabulous book, fabulous book. He's down the Steinbeck area. We're going to also... Uh, we just had Jake McDonald, of course, who wrote The Cottage. So it seems we're in the midst of writing, and writing seems to be an important part of Manitoba's uh, cultural history. We've had some fabulous writers, and maybe I'll try and get a hold of some of the more well-known, but there are some uh, very well-known writers from back in the day. We've had people come through. Uh, Ernest Thomas Seton came through. He was born, he's English-born. He spent some time outside of Carberry, Manitoba, where he began to write. And he wrote The Birds of Manitoba. He wrote uh, The Life Histories of North Northern Animals, an account of the mammals of Manitoba. And then he moved on to Santa Fe. And he actually moved right on to write the first scouting book with Lord Baden-Powell in 1906. So this is going back sometime. But we've, we've seemed to, uh, the praise seemed to launch a lot of interesting careers as far as writers go. So we'll be talking to the ones that we can actually get on the podcast, um, unless I can find somebody who does a great impersonation and understands um, people (laughs) from the past. Also, Gray Owl uh, started writing when he was in Manitoba as well at Riding Mountain, I believe. Uh, Or I don't know if he started writing there or when he was up in Prince Albert. But anyway, he spent a good deal of time uh, here in Manitoba and Northern Ontario and different uh, places along the way. So he's a great writer. He's, he's pretty awesome. Um, who else do we have here? I think there's somebody missing. Um, oh, Jeffrey John Ayami. I had a great conversation about him. He wrote a book about a novel that centers around the game of golf, but actually takes you know us into the inner mind of the protagonist and uh, studies human, human nature. And uh, we had some other writers previously, I believe, in our list, if you go back through. Um, some publishers, Ryan Nesbitt, of course. Um, Tobin Dick, go back to episode seven. He's a journalist and a farmer. Um, Peter Sinjin is a writer. He's episode six. Go back through there. Christine Hanlon, episode five. Look at this. There's a treasure trove. Number four on the <laughs> Number four, episode four, Diamond Doug Keith, cowboy poet. Great writer. Um, boy, it's just, you know, they're just everywhere in this podcast. Writing is such an important part of what Manitobaville is all about. 
So this is why we're, we're sort of going to cobble together some of the older interviews and put them up now. And then we are going to get some new ones for you because we need new stuff. We always got to be publishing the new stuff. We're a publisher. We're a publisher. We're not a book publisher. We're a podcast publisher. And uh, who knows, Rodeo Road Studios might get into some very interesting content down the road. We shall see. Okay, so hang in there. Hang on. We're going to put you through a little bit. There should be an ad in there. There might not be yet, but we'll see. In your area, there might be ads. And uh, if there is, awesome. And if there isn't, let me know. And we'll try and see where you are and get, get an ad that's pertinent to your location, age, gender, dislikes, likes, <laughs> curiosities. <laughs> we'll drill right down, right down. Okay, so here we go. We're going to launch into this. And, oh, let me tell you who's in the podcast. Okay, we have Michelle Peters, the Executive Director of the Association of Manitoba Book Publishers. We have Jameis Paulson. He's the Associate Publisher of Turnstone Press. And we have Matt Judry from At Bay Press. Okay, so here we go. We're going to jump into that interview right after this. And I will see you at the tail end to uh, remind you of uh, what's what about Manitobaville. All right, let's turn the page. So, so from what, yeah. I'm, what, what I'm hearing right now is you have to do like the rock bands and, and write the book to sell the t-shirt on the tour. <laughs> that's kind of it because you can't, cause you can't download a t-shirt well i mean yeah. it's it's it, an expectation just of that mm -hmm. uh um to get people to, to look at your book you have to have a whole bunch of ancillaries around it because everyone who used to do the ancillaries they don't do it anymore right like you know broadcast media mm -hmm. doesn't give space to books the way they used to yeah and so we have to kind of be those people and everybody says, but I, I still love holding the book. I don't like the digital or the what. And then they're all reading on Kindle or their iPad. They're not, actually. They're not? No. no. They're still reading. They're, yeah, they're looking they're, for books. It's yeah. all print. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, especially in Canada. It's, yeah. it's all print. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Digital sales are a, a pretty low percentage of sales. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's between, what, 2, two to 4% or like something that. like that. Yeah. Like, okay. So, like, 96 to 98% of all sales in Canada are wow print. So we have a, a ways to go. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. and I don't know. That's been that's been flat, right? It's not like mm -hmm. two to four percent. That's still increasing. That's flat. So that's not growth. That's just that's the way it is. That's the, that's the normal. Okay. You just expect two to four percent of your sales to yeah. be digital, and the rest is print. So yeah, I, mean, I know print. I know people who have purchased uh, Kindles or. You know what I mean? Playbooks or, or whatever the case may be. And um, they bought them and they tried them out and now they're just sitting around. Uh, they'd rather still, um, you know, throw a paperback into their luggage when they're traveling or something like that. Oh. So, well, that, well, that's good because everybody was scared that books would go away. Like with the digital no. revolution and all well, that. Well, television came, radio didn't disappear. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Right? Yeah. Radio came, books didn't disappear. I mean, yeah. everyone thought Life books theater. would disappear. Yeah. Like all these things would just disappear with technology. Yeah. And, yeah. and vaudevillians still get up on stage of rumors. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. Fringe Festival is huge. Yeah. 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 Right? So. But there are less readers. Okay. That's a problem. How, how, how many less? Uh, it's hard to gauge. Um, I mean, it seems like there are. are um, like it's 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 kind of, it's kind of like uh, it's a it's a decreasing number always, yeah. um, 
and uh, I don't think anybody for sure really knows why. Um, there's there's lots of speculation as to why uh, readership keeps declining, and uh, you know one of the obvious reasons is you know technology and that sort of thing is so invasive that people find less time. They're they're more interested in um, you know uh, applications that provide uh, you know very quick uh, down and dirty sort of information on um, a like a, a rapid basis. Like right? Wikipedia, go to Wikipedia. Don't Wikipedia, read the book, but more like uh, more like Twitter or Instagram. Those okay. types of um, applications provide. Oh, they're looking uh, for instant gratification kind of activities. Or? I I, th I think so. Or do they go there for their? Information? I think it's just attention span. I think people yeah. are finding it harder and harder to engage in a full length read. Um, well, it, that that's interesting. But I mean, at the same time, short fiction, which you would think would you know with you know, decreasing attention spans would go ahead and be like that would see, you know, a kind of a exponential growth as people are mm -hmm. like, okay, right. you know, what? I'm going to look for a short, interesting, tight, mm -hmm. you know, impactful story. But short it's fiction not. is still where it always has been. It's yeah. kind of like a second cousin to, to the novel. Yeah. That's right. You know, people still want distance their novels, <laughs> right? So, you know, yeah. I, I think sometimes it, it's not that people like there's less readers perhaps for books but I think people are doing more reading in general, right? They're, That's right. They're reading on the net. Right. There's, yeah. you know, news is kind of pumped into your eyeballs. Like yeah. every time you, you know, every time you click open a browser, and that's all there's addictive. a news feed that just shows you all yeah. the articles and all and the it, clickbait you can kind of follow, right? And it's programmed for addictiveness too. No, exactly. Yes. And so like, I mean, you spend your day, you know, um, you're reading, you're reading reports and articles at work, right? And then... You go home and you browse and you check out a couple of your news sites or you read Facebook or something like that, and you've been reading all day. Yeah, right. you've just been catching up constantly right. on what's going on. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that is the difference. It's, it's people aren't setting aside uh, time to open a physical book. And, um, and it's funny, like at conventions or festivals or um, book fairs or whatever the case may be, like we, we will have... Uh, people that will come up with their partner and um, you know they'll say something along these lines that will be um, yeah I'm not the reader in the family she is and you know then that person will mm -hmm. approach look at the books and and I'll say to that I'll say to the person who said that they're not the reader why aren't you the reader oh, I just I, I don't have the time or I've never been a big reader um, or I used to read all the time but school got in the way or work got in the way and then I'll present them with uh, a collection of, you know, short stories, an anthology or, you know, a full collection. And that still won't be of interest to them. And I'll say, you know, maybe it's, this is the opportunity to get back into it is through short mm -hmm. fiction. Yeah. The, the whole market has, has evolved a lot, right? So it's, it's um, there's so much more competition yeah. uh, for people's um, entertainment for mm -hmm. their free time. Yeah. Right. right? Like, I mean, you know, you never used to have uh, Netflix, you know, TV didn't quite occupy like a tube. Or That's a, a great screen one. Time. Mm -hmm. Screen time didn't quite invade your time as much. Yeah. You know, it's so accessible. Well, right? it's 24-7. So, it's if you like soap operas, you used to watch it in the daytime. Now you can watch it anytime. But Especially you also used to consume it um, on, a, on a single episode uh, week, format, right? you yeah. know? Yeah, PVRs, you know, being yeah. able to record. Yeah. And skip commercials just makes, you know, like yeah. so much easier for people to be able to, you know, if you're still, you know, 
hooked up to a line to a cord, right? Yeah. A PVR. Um, but then also too, you can just kind of pick whatever, you know, whatever kind of television you want to watch, what mm -hmm. movies you want to watch. You don't have to go to the theater as much. Yeah. You know, people don't go to the theaters. It's much. less social. Eh? Yeah. There's a less. Absolutely. I mean, let's face it. Reading a book has never been a uh, like, you know, a social aspect. Well, like, I, book clubs. There's book clubs. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Book yeah. clubs are different. But I just yeah. mean like reading for. Again, do you read at a book like, club? You just yeah, kind of drink wine. Personal is reading. <laughs> is, is our book clubs more exotic nowadays than they used to be? I don't think so. I think, I they're, think they're pretty similar in I format. think the format's the yeah. same. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, just being in one. I mean, yeah. just like, oh, I'm in a book club. It sounds more like, wow. Like, like you're some kind of endangered species. Yeah, like, why? <laughs> hey, why are you in the book club? I, I don't think you know? so. Yeah, like, I think they're yeah. still pretty active. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just still normal activity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and bookstores are getting involved with them too. Like um, McNally Robinson um, hosts a number of book clubs. Yeah. Right? So okay. then there's, uh, it becomes more of a social community. Because you're 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 getting out, you're going somewhere, you're meeting up with the group, mm. right? You, I mean, maybe you're having something to eat, um, or you know, having a, a coffee or tea over the discussion, right? right? Um, the Winnipeg I know Public Library also has a lot. Another of good clubs. example, yeah. And I mean, community libraries across Canada, they'll have like a little book club type of thing, and you know, it's they're. You know, if you have an independent book club, right? Yeah. It's just you and your friends, and it's kind of exclusive. But when it comes to a place like McNally Robinson or to a library, I mean, they're open to all. They want everyone to kind of come and yeah. you know and yeah. enjoy a book. So, um, so I is this like the Housewives of Lindenwood or in a book club, that kind of thing? Or no, I think it's way more diverse than that. Yeah. Um, I think that like I've even seen like like which is something that at least from my from my experience is new, like all male book clubs, like okay. guys getting together and you know reading a book um and it's and it's people like that are in my age like sort of category that contemporary mm -hmm. um aspect and i find that really interesting because uh at least from my perspective um one of the the biggest struggles that like we've been faced with as a publisher is um like like male readership seems to be way down okay. more so than, than and what were they reading what kind of genre uh, you know, it's it's funny. Um, it seems like they're reading really anything from the classics, you know, like and and you know, like yeah, like classics right up to like mystery or science fiction, um, literary, okay. and even to some degree poetry, which is really surprising. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. you know, I I see you know, um, uh, we we often do like um, educational markets and fairs and stuff like that. So you know, teachers and instructors. Uh, we see a lot of men, but in terms of, you know, usually when it comes to just your, you know, average guy who's, you know, you know, got his day job type of thing, and um, they kind of tend to move a little bit more to like the genre fiction. Yeah, absolutely. I find a bit more of the genre yeah. fiction. Yeah. Um, you know, a good sports book, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, maybe a little bit more on the nonfictiony side. Yeah. Um, poetry. Okay. Poetry. It's usually the guys usually writing is poetry. Right, yeah. who's also um, the academic or interested? Yeah. Well, I mean, someone who's actually like a practicing artist, yeah, mm -hmm. right, like a a, po a poet themselves, and okay. so they they're consuming, you know, um, the competition. The, well, <laughs> or I mean, you're you, just you, enjoying you, it. You, yeah, you're yeah. just you're just, you know, getting to know what is being produced. You know, that's you right. love poetry. You write poetry. Yeah, um, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and so you know that's where I usually see um, male 
male readers. Yeah, absolutely. Is is they're they're like you said, they're more of the creatives, okay. um, people who are producing, um, writing as well as uh, reading. And I've never got like I mean, yeah, obviously there is some competition, but I would agree with Jameis on that. That they're they're really just reading to just know, you know, experience mm -hmm. what's what's being produced. Right. I mean, that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that most um, writers give to each other when you're workshopping is that, you know, um, and even us as publishers, I read books, <laughs> read you, other people's if, if work. If you want to yeah. be a writer, yeah. Yeah. you know, read other people's books. If you figure that you can kind of, you're going to be a great novelist or a great poet or a, a you know, write a, a great book and you've never, you don't read anyone else's work. Mm -hmm. um, one, you don't know what's out there. And two, how do you expect to ever sell a book? Mm -hmm. Because if everyone follows that same example of, well, I'll just write, but I'm not going to go and actually read, yeah. then mm -hmm. you have no readers and there's no one to actually look at your work. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's all part, it's, there's like, there's a cycle, there's an yeah. ecosystem and readers and writers, you know, you know, they're, they're dependent upon each other. Do you find readers tend to start writing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's that's uh, that's simple osmosis. Yeah. Like that. That's something that just is. is I mean, is usually going to it's heavy readers when yeah. they're kids, right? Yeah. yeah. And so they start absorbing other people's stories and decide, you know what, I want to do this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that, that. That's so crucial, you know, to it actually is. to our business, mm -hmm. right? Because if we don't have those new writers coming out, um, and you know, creating new stories and inventing new worlds and really just you know reflecting the world we're in because it's always changing so there's always going to be new stories um if we don't have them uh <laughs> we're out of business then, then no we have nothing to do right? yeah we're out of business you know? we need readers and writers yeah, yeah. very much okay yeah. Well, let's let's start at the beginning now i'm going to go around the table and uh, just say who's with us Sure. I, I'm Michelle from the Association of Manitoba Book Publishers. So we represent 14 different publishers in Manitoba, uh, publishing in a wide variety of genres, uh, both in English and in French. And I'm Jameis Paulson, the Associate Publisher of Turnstone Press. Um, we're one of Manitoba's uh, oldest uh, literary publishers. Uh, we've uh, started the careers of many people like Miriam Taves, David Bergen, Lawrence Hill. We continue to publish uh, new eclectic writing um, featuring a lot of Manitobans. Um, that's kind of our, uh, our thing. And, um, you know, try and go ahead and reach readers wherever, wherever they might want to, you know, find a story. I'm Matt Jodry. I am the publisher at At Bay Press. Um, we started the press in Toronto and then moved it here uh, about eight years ago. Uh, so we're probably one of the uh, newer Manitoba publishers um, and uh, have found the province to be um, really exciting and an amazing hotbed of um, fantastic um, creative talent. Um, and then as well, uh, we've also found that um, there is um, a very interesting and um, growing sort of human rights movement that's happening here um, also that uh, we're very happy to be um, a part, like playing a role in. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we publish um, Manitobans, but we, we, we will publish anybody really, uh, even out of the country. 
Um, if it's good, we'll have a look at it. Oh, I was going to say I had a chance there until I said it had to be good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Michelle, tell me, okay, so Manitoba, it's a right. hotbed of writers. Where does it all start with Manitoba writers, historically? Well, well in, in terms of professional publishing in Manitoba, it began a little over 50 years ago. Uh, two of our publishers who are still around today uh, started in about 1967, so that was uh, Portage and Main Press, okay. which was formerly known okay. as Pegwis, and they were started by Mary Score. And many people know the name Mary Score as a bookseller in Manitoba, but she was also a publisher. Ah. And University of Manitoba Press also began that same year. Okay, okay. So uh, we've been around for a while. Yeah, and as far as writers go, we have some, we have a rich legacy of writers starting probably from turn of century even. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think of writers like Margaret Lawrence and Gabrielle Waugh, historically. Oh, but historically, even before that, even I before mean, you know, that. Frederick Philip Grove. Right, right. Um, it's, it, Turnstone actually published a book um, yeah. uh, kind of chronicling the history of, of Manitoba writing called The Imagined City. Okay. And yes, it's, it, yeah. you know, it's a really fascinating <laughs> look at, yeah, um, absolutely. at uh, you know, the development of Manitoba and Winnipeg um, in literature around the world. And so I always find it fascinating, you know, um, uh, to, to kind of see, you know, that, you know, the, the early, um, you know, even Louis Riel was a poet, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, published and, poet. And yeah. so it, uh, he was published, right? Uh, well, I don't it, know. And it is time or later? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I know he, there, there are poems of his right. that yeah. have been, you know, circulated and yeah. republished since, um, but, uh, you know, um, you know, Winnipeg has kind of figured into a lot of people's imaginations. I think one of my favorite pieces uh, in that particular book is of Winston Churchill, you know, reflecting on his time, you know, writing letters back to his mother about how Winnipeg will be, mm -hmm. you know, the great gateway of the empire and mm -hmm. the, 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 the great breadbasket, you know, the, you know, breadbasket yeah. of the empire type of thing. And so, I but mean, he, it is thought on. Like it was it was it's it's, it's it is kind of interesting yeah. to see you know winnipeg has been um literary yeah um for a really long time yeah mm -hmm. so when so a guy like ralph connor builds a big house gets yep. a lot of money together from his books where is he publishing at that point like well and i mean this is a canadian publishing if you go back so he's going uh, to it was not there wasn't a canadian publishing Really? Um, so he's, he's like going to London or something? Or? Well, I mean, that's the, part of the impetus of you know how a, turn, a, a press like Turnstone, Turnstone got started was that um, there were no places for um, local writers to actually um, find publication. You had to go abroad. Wow. And I mean, even back in the 50s and 60s, um, Canadian literature really wasn't considered to be credible hmm. yeah. literature. It was kind of, um, you know, provincial and you know kind of quaint and um boring boring right? <laughs> it, was, it was it wasn't at the, at the same until level. until mcclellan started putting on parades for well, book launches I, you know and, and i mean so there's that really whole, getting out that whole development yeah. of you know like with mcclellan and stewart like, and um you know the branch plants um deciding to actually start taking interest in yeah. local writers that's right and yeah. also the you know like the canadian government mm -hmm. you know um actually intervened as well and yeah. you know you know, things like the Canada Council for the Arts got mm -hmm. created, you know, the Mantua Arts Council got created, and there was like a huge swelling, upwelling of um, uh, interest in creating, yeah. you know, and supporting. Creating and saving. 
create right. a saving Posterity developing, as well. yeah. um, you know, Canadian culture and Manitoba culture. And Turnstone started mainly because there were poets, really incredibly talented people mm-hmm. um, and other writers who could not get published anywhere. And so um, our founders, um, you know, said, to heck with this. We're going to go ahead and start up our own publishing company. And we're going to make sure that people find out about Sandra Birdsell and um, uh, uh, Robert Crouch, Robert Crouch, um, Armin Weeb, you know, mm-hmm. these incredible writers. And, you know, so, so if I was sitting here in 1910 and I was writing a book, uh, I would have to turn I would have to nail that off. Right. That manuscript. To, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, and it would be kind of a long shot. You'd yeah. be sending off to New York or to London. Yeah. Probably London at that time. Yeah. yeah, which would mean not not many people would do that, even if they were. And and the chances of you them. getting published, yeah. you know, by a, a UK publisher because you're some some gentleman from Winnipeg, mm. yeah, um, which they probably had <laughs> never really heard of. That's right. Um, you know, the chances would be yeah. slim, slim to none. Well, and I I think that developing part that you mentioned is key because that's what a lot of the local publishers do. They develop the work of mm-hmm. new writers. And that's kind of, yeah, you're saving uh, literature and what you're kind of saving is the 10th book somebody's going to write, which is going to be really good because if they don't get to that 10th book because they don't have support, then they're not going to, you'll never see that book. So actually, yeah, well we, I don't think of it that way. Like, like, like if we get a, if we get a manuscript in that's from a first time author, I'm not thinking about their 10th book. I'm thinking about that one book. Oh, uh, well, no, I mean, you're looking at the current work, but I'm the, looking but at it, the current work. I'm yeah. just stepping back and saying you're, you're in a way you're, you're creating a, a development basis where, oh, yeah, where, somebody, where you know somebody's going to get better. Well, I mean, like, yeah, publishing such a, it, it's kind of an intimate, you know, yeah. uh, business. It right? is. Yeah. Someone, someone spends years, you know, mm-hmm. working over um, their work and mm-hmm. they send it off to you. And, yeah. and they're very out. nervous, yeah. right? Because it's or like they feel like you just yeah exactly they've yeah. lost they're exposed yeah. 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 yeah they're vulnerable very vulnerable yeah. Yeah. and so you know when when we so it's easier to deal deal with that on a local level I suppose too if they can drive over to your office and talk well to I mean you that, that I think that's one of the attractions for local writers Definitely. but it's it's not it's not necessary the, the world has changed a lot yeah. yeah um and it's not you know by far not the same I mean mm-hmm. I know of um many well, there's a number of authors we've never met. Really? Like that we've published, yeah. that we've never met in person just because, you know, they live in uh, Toronto um, or they live in Nova Scotia and we've we've mm-hmm. published them. But, um, you know, we've had phone conversations, email, right? Like the mm-hmm. electronic world has made it very easy smaller. to, yeah, mm-hmm. the connection basis there is, 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 you know, it's, it's in the last, you know, even just the last 20 years, um, there's it's just made it easier to communicate that way. But um, I do think that Jameis is right. If we're local and we're able to actually meet with somebody, um, you know, face to face, it is a great experience. Um, yeah. that, I guess that's Skype, part of Skype it. gives you that too, because a Skype lot of, does give you that. Yeah. Of when, when Skype when works, when Skype <laughs> yeah. works. Yeah. And it doesn't freeze. Yeah. Um, but, but not in the same way. Yeah. Cause if you're just even on the phone talking to somebody, you're not quite sure what they mean. No. Because you're not getting the body language, the facial expressions to go along with it. Yeah. So sure, to some degree. Yeah. But like, like last night, I I just met with uh, a poet that uh, that we're going to publish, and um, we got talking about the work, and uh, the, the 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 discussion was, you know, um, it came up about uh, the cost of paper. That's just one of the 
things that we were yeah. chatting about and how this year alone the the cost increase on paper has changed four times just in the one year so whatever we were being quoted on from a printer you know back in January the cost has increased four times since then mm -hmm. um, so people are wondering why book costs are, are going up and for us you know like we try to keep our costs as low as possible but like if we have a novel that's coming out that's 350 pages um, the cost that we try to keep it is under 30 bucks for a hardcover mm -hmm. however um, if you're looking at like say a hardcover novel from another publisher um, that we'll say is a much larger publisher that has way more resources than we do they're charging close to 40 bucks for their hardcover um, and so the, 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 the discussion has been people have come up to us and said that like $30 for a book wow that's expensive like mm -hmm. that's really expensive and then I and say I to them Wow, I can't believe you guys are selling them for thirty bucks. You, yeah. should, right. go, you right. should be at forty bucks yeah. because you're yeah. not printing up ten thousand yeah. copies. You're exactly. And so the other big thing too is is that I explained to them like you know sometimes the author has worked like three years on this, mm -hmm. not to mention our editorial staff, our designer, the production artists that work on this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The amount of uh, marketing and advertising that goes into this book, um, the resources alone that are put into mm -hmm. a book, and I'm saying you can't come up with $30 well and, and we, we you know we we're we do mainly paperbacks um, and you know uh, I've been pretty price conscious um, always trying to keep them under 20 bucks right mm -hmm. $19 exactly. and you know I still get people who look at a $19 novel which the price hasn't changed actually yeah. in about 25 years yeah yeah Talk about, you know, wow. price, you know, like keep exactly. But I mean, that that's the thing. Prices on books don't change. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of the things that I mean, they've been starting to climb, but people will balk at $20 book. And I'm kind of like, you know, how much do you pay to go see a two hour movie? This is probably going to be like a probably, mm -hmm. you know, maybe for you, like a three to six hour read. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got like a fair and bit of can, entertainment value. It's on here. your yeah. shelf. You can go back to it. Completely. You own you it. Know? Yeah, you, you own can it. actually. You can advertise that over. I, we don't always encourage this, but I know people will borrow it out to someone, right? Mm -hmm. So suddenly it's only a ten dollar book for two people. Yeah. Um, right. And you know that author gets ten percent of that. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think people quite understand, you know, um, the economics of books. I mean, most of most of the the price of a book goes to the bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Forty yeah. forty to fifty percent of the cover price of a book goes straight to the bookstore. Yeah. Right. And then there's distribution um, fees. Distribution fees are they anywhere take from their 10 cut. to 15 percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, then you pay a sales commission to yeah. your salespeople. That's another 10 percent. So we're exactly. at exactly we're at 65 percent. And uh, and then you've got shipping fees yep. on top of that. So that might be another 5 percent. So you're at 70 percent. Don't and forget about shrinkage. Mm -hmm. Stuff gets lost. Mm -hmm. Stuff gets destroyed. Um, books get returned. And then mm -hmm. we have to print them. Right, and the printing can be, you know, mm -hmm. for on a small press basis, you know, anywhere from ten to twenty-five percent of the book. That's right. So, yeah. and then you pay the authors ten percent. So we're somewhere over, somewhere around one hundred and ten percent. Yeah, yeah. Is, so your uh, profit margin is like negative ten percent. That's Plus. kind, you know. Every one of them is yeah. a math miracle. Yeah. yeah, like they really are. We you're, make it work. Which you is make why we're in work. the art space building and not over in the Richardson. Building. <laughs> 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 Don't knock the art space well, building. I mean, you know, <laughs> oh, that's a great <laughs> building. <laughs> great thing, you know that that uh, at Bay and Turnstone, like we we invest um, 
we're, we're the we're also the artists and creative people who create the books like, that's right um, many presses will have like third-party designers and um, people working that's on that's a really good point so and, you're all in-house at Bay and Turnstone yeah. I think we, we both do our cover design absolutely you guys do your interior designs as absolutely well. yeah and that's mm-hmm. and we me. work directly with uh, and I'm sure it's the same for you like we, we take author input uh, during the, the whole process because they have a vision as well mm-hmm. of course you know our designers are the pros yeah. so like you know when when there's certain elements that don't work we discuss those but we want the author to be able to get behind the book yeah. They, we want them to believe in it and love the finished product so that when they actually go out into the world that they're happy to um, yeah, promote the, the book, the right? To be a part of it. And, and when, you, when you do, you know, I find when, uh, when we do the work in-house, uh, when, you know, um, our staff are involved in designing the books, we're, we can be so much more responsive yeah. to, um, to the needs of a, of a writer. That's right. Um, that... Uh, you know, quite often designers, they'll, they'll take your, they'll take your summary and say, mm-hmm. okay, this is what you've told me the book's about. Yeah. And I'll make you a cover based upon that summary. Yeah. And, um, whereas, you know, we've actually read the books. That's right. Right. We know what That's the books a huge are about difference. and mm-hmm. we know what the feel is. We know the mm-hmm. emotion yeah. that we want to convey, um, through a cover. And I mean, that's such an important part of what we do. And that's, yeah. that, that is one of the things that kind of separates small presses. And it from, is funny. Everybody, big houses. everybody says, don't judge a book by its cover, but you do. You, do. you look yeah. at the title, you look at the cover. And it's the know, only reason you look at a book. You, yeah. You almost make an immediate decision yeah. if you want to explore yeah. that book or not. Or yeah. the only other way you'd, you'd look beyond that is if somebody recommended it or you read about it in the paper. And you're, or you're, it's a name on the book that's buy so anyway, big. Or you yeah. can look at it anyway. Or you, you follow, you follow yeah. that particular yeah. author. Yeah. You've heard of that author. Yeah. Type like thing. there's yeah. a reason why Stephen King's name is 85% of the front cover. Yeah. It's yeah. because that's, that's what's going to re- like they're yeah. they're not looking for art then yeah. right but that's an anomaly that's that's a that's a, <laughs> just one of it's 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 it, a, it's like it's like any any of the you know um, any kind of industry where um, you have such a large cross section of people in it I mean I, I always kind of look at it like hockey yeah. right you have people who you know will play uh, they start off in bantam and they go to you know minor league and then getting to the NHL. They work their way up, right? But those, you know, those people like, you know, Stephen King, he's like our wing, you know, Wayne Gretzky of writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like he's he's grinded his way to the top. Kind of, you know, and he, he also has the talent. He's had the talent to go ahead and, you know, um, to be there, you know, Atwood, you know, the same thing. Yeah. Um, And uh, everyone else is trying to get there. Yeah. Everyone else. I, I have my, I have authors who ask me, you know, so, can my name be bigger on the cover? Because, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's like, it is. That's a sign yeah. that yeah. you've made it. That yeah. you know, your, your name is actually the cover type of thing. Yeah. That's right. And, um, you know, so we sometimes have debates as to, you know, what exactly is going to sell the book type of thing. Is it going to be your name? You know, and do you have the right kind of name that actually fits on a cover type right. of thing. Yeah. Sometimes they don't. Stephen King, it actually works really well. That's right, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. A nice really short well. name. Well, the the yeah. reason they say pen name is because pen's a short word and that's a clue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, it does make a big difference. Uh, so, so when you guys, uh, you're part of the association. And mm-hmm. Yes. Do you, when, you're <clears throat> when you're mulling over uh, books, you're thinking of publishing and then you get into the, the other aspects of design or art or presentation or 
did the, do you, does the association help in that regard in any way, or does it? Is this more of a, a business kind of? What was the association do? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's more of a business decision with their authors and collaborative work. But we do offer professional development from time to time. We have a, a community kind of base, so so people do call each other up with business questions or, or call the AMVP if they're looking for information, that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, we do work uh, collectively together to market mm -hmm. and promote uh, some of the local titles. Uh, we publish Prairie Books Now, which is a uh, free magazine available at bookstores and libraries in the prairies and, okay. and throughout Canada even. And we have BookFest. We, we get together to promote books a lot of the time. Okay. So, so you're hoping that all their decisions are really good. <laughs> I mean, one of the, the really, market. really great things is getting, you know, um, publishing, like writing, can be kind of isolating. You mm -hmm. can sometimes get caught up in the business of just making the yeah. books and getting them out there, yeah. and being able to meet your colleagues, find out what else is happening in the industry. Well, that's right, because um, as a book publisher in your own house, you're the top person making those final decisions. But you, where do you look for? And advice? there's, there's yeah. so many, you know, there's so many different paths to roam. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, we all have a different a different way of getting um, uh, to a certain um, end. Um, and sometimes you might find, you know, you've hit a roadblock and, um, you know, being able to call on um, other publishers for advice is can be really, really helpful. That's that's one of the really beautiful things uh, about publishing in this province. Um, and I and maybe I shouldn't say province just because uh, we're so centralized in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, it's just that yeah. like publishing in Winnipeg, I well, found for the sake of this podcast being called Manitoba, we'll, <laughs> we'll go with the go with we'll the go first with thought. Manitoba. Okay, and that's fair. <laughs> that's fair because we we I but mean it, it is, is uh, the Association yeah. of Manitoba Book Publishers. Yeah. We are we do consider ourselves a a Manitoba publisher, but mm -hmm. um, it's just the 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 community, the publishing community at large. Um, has been fantastic uh, and 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 being a transplant coming here and having that is is really amazing because i feel um that the other publishers have really embraced us and helped us mm -hmm. um and um just offered a lot of different um elements that that have just made the transition really easy and and also just from a growth perspective mm -hmm. um i think we all have the uh the same end game in mind, which is you know publishing literary excellence. Mm -hmm. um, it's when you when you publish a book, um, you know it, it's 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 like a it's like a little baby bird, I guess. You know, it's so vulnerable, it's so exposed that when it goes out into the world, um, there's just a lot of things that can kill it, and um, it has to be fantastic. It has to be. Uh, something that's truly spectacular and our job is to take a book that comes in that's raw and wonderful and make it into this supremely fantastic piece of literary excellence and then it goes out into the world and there is a little bit of um, blind faith involved too where you're just you're hoping that the book will do well And after all that, a critic just clocks up and steps yeah. up. <laughs> the amount of effort that goes into into a title is just, you know, supreme. Because I mean, yeah. we love books, yeah. and we the, the the ultimate the ultimate compliment for us is to have someone come to us and say, "I really enjoyed 
that book. I love yeah. that book. I couldn't put that book down. Yeah, and, and then they know? can't believe it came from a local author. Well, and, and you know what? We, 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 you get those backhanded comments yeah, where we've, yeah. I've had I've had reviews go out, and you know, mm. um, uh, and I believe one one reviewer said, "I can't believe this didn't come from New York." And it's <laughs> like, well, no kidding, because we publish books as good yeah, as that's right. the biggest houses yeah. in the world. Yeah. You know, and our stories are as compelling as yeah. any other publisher in the world. The challenge is, is just relative, you know, relative size. Yes. When um, you have Bertelsmann, Random House, Penguin, um, HarperCollins, mm -hmm. the amount of attention they demand for the in, from the entire um, industry. literary community of the entire industry, um, they make, everyone makes space for them. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Right. And for, uh, you know, smaller independent presses, uh, we have to kind of fight, you know, uh, tooth and nail to get our books on those shelves. That's right. And then not only, you know, to get those books on the shelves, but then also to get you to go ahead and buy them. Mm -hmm. And, and I do. mean, this, this, this show is, you know, it, it's really important for Manitobans to realize that we have a really vibrant mm -hmm. um, publishing community. Uh, the challenge is, is even for like outside of Winnipeg, yeah. Where do you buy books? Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, this is this is I think one of the the biggest. I think one of the things that we kind of overlook in our province is how little book infrastructure there is around the province. It's a big issue. Um, it, there's mm. there's no bookstore in Portsmouth Prairie. Yeah, right. There's one bookstore in Brandon, yeah. and there's oh between. And five, when there, five and to seven bookstores in all of Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah. And when there wasn't like the place like Portage was in the mall and it was a, a Coles or whatever. It wasn't, you, you never had that quaint bookshop to walk into and, and browse. And well, and you know what? <clears throat> even yeah. if, even, if, even if it is a chapters indigo, at least that's yeah. a place where you can kind of go, I know that's where I can go buy books. I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, they, they're, and they're, even if they don't have but, it, but I can order it. Yeah. But they're going to centralize you know, to the Turgeson's has a, has a great, single, great little yeah. shop. Yeah. And there's a, a little bookstore down in Morden. Um, I think Altona shut down their bookstore that they had down yeah. there. Um, you know, when you, when you don't even have 20 bookstores across the province, mm -hmm. um, and Edmonton has 16 just for itself and yeah. Calgary has another 16 to 20 for itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and, and you look at some place like Ontario that like even the smallest of small town has like like multiple bookstores and they're all really nice, really great, yeah. well curated. Is that a matter of economics, like overall economic activity? I think that or has an effect, but I also just think that it, it does, um, there is something to be said about, um, you know, understanding and being aware of, of, of the community that you're surrounded by. Um, meaning the general overall public, understanding that this community, this um, these literary artists exist in your city and province, and then looking for ways to get involved and support that, I think is a, is a really big deal. Do we have to find a way for a local author to go down to the rink and write for three hours on the middle of the ice to, so people actually see them? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, competing against uh, tournament, you know, hockey yeah. tournaments yeah. and uh, hockey season. Because it is a lonely is, occupation. Can be, right. can be a you tough You don't one. see right. somebody yeah. writing. And then you briefly see them when their book finally comes out and then they disappear again, you know, even if they do do a little tour or something. But yeah, there's such a solitary, it, there's not much visuals going on with yeah. book writing. Yeah. The, yeah. No, no, no. It's true. It, it, it is, but um, that's, that's part of 
Is that part of the charm? <laughs> it's part. It's part of the charm, but it's also you know? part of um, you know uh, um, our growth and 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 our evolution is to figure out uh, ways to um, work with these problems and overcome them. Right. I mean that if 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 publishing was easy, um, I'm not sure that I would be in the game. It's just you know there there is um, there is a satisfaction of um, you know small wins uh, now and again, mm-hmm. and that's that's why you're involved. I, I mean, I'm sure Jameis will say the same thing. You know, I have authors that come to us and they think that uh, becoming a published author is where they're going to make their millions. And, you know, I have a very frank and hard discussion with them about that, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's a toil, it's a struggle, and m- almost every author, if not all the authors on our roster, they, they, they have regular day jobs, right? They're, they're out there, they're working, and, and their passion, their love is, is putting, you know, words on the page. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why we have to be the same way. Like, we have to be that vehicle that, that, that drives those words out into the world, right? Same amount of passion. Right. Yeah, you know, um, to go ahead and uh, really uh, get the authors everywhere that uh, this is, uh, you know, reader diversification is like, you know, it's so readers are spread out over a much greater, you know, space than they ever used to be. I mean, it used to be um, the bookstore, right, would mm-hmm. be where people would go or, you know, basically to retail. They would go and find the bookstore. But now, yeah. you know, readers don't always go to you know um to the local bookstore and the bookstores used to go ahead and do the curation right so a bookstore would kind of go okay yeah i know there's these books from the big fancy new york publishers um but i'm going to make sure i have some local people on my on my on my shelves too so that people here know that you know Bob down the street is actually writing books and you know that with a with a with a system like you know Amazon or even like the supply mm-hmm. chain that we use like yeah. there's it's all you can order in now com- well it's yeah. all there's computers you know and inventory management um, where now getting onto a shelf you know uh, a bookstore can kind of go oh what's what's the most popular book in Canada very easily and the top 10 boom okay let's just order those all in but guess what it's not going to be someone local it's like a google search you're going to look at the first web page 53 percent of the time and yeah. the majority might, the majority of the, the top, top selling 100 books in canada yeah. aren't even written by canadians yeah. that's right yeah. yeah you know like 90 percent of them are written by people outside of canada right yeah. and so when when booksellers are trying to go and you know they want to make they want to make money they want to keep their businesses going. That's They're gonna, right. They they it kind of self fulfills, right? So, oh well, I'm going to order the most popular books. Those ones become more popular, and it kind of makes this bigger mm-hmm. gap between. Yeah. Well, even the, like the big box giant stores, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, they don't even know um, if a book sold um, and it was the only one on the shelf. It's a replenishable book, yeah. so it goes out the door. And then their centralized ordering department sends a new one out because there's a gap there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like they, it's not like the, the the bookseller had a discussion with the buyer and was like, yeah, this is a really great book. It's it's about this. So that's where the indie bookstore, the small um, independents, are are still a, a really great place for the reader to go because they can have that discussion. They can um, surround themselves with that experience, that community, and then. Um, I, th- I feel that they're getting uh, a more fulfilling 
um, you know, overall experience. Right. So, and in Manitoba, the libraries. Yeah, you know, I was just gonna touch on feel, that. They, they feel they fill that kind are, of role. Are, have they shrunk or growing, or what? Where are libraries at over the last? I don't think I don't think they've. Period? I think they they have the same fiscal challenges that yeah. you know, <laughs> that everyone does. You know, because they're publicly funded. But are they raising right. or anything? And well, I mean, they also are facing you know, kind of a division of people's attentions, right? Like you know, the WPL Winnipeg Public Library. Um, you know, they now have maker spaces. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're evolving to be more community hubs and not book centers. Right. Yeah. And when so, they first put computers in libraries and I, I could see them saying, let's put computers in to keep people coming in. Did, did that eventually maybe send people away when they learned how to use computers? <laughs> I, don't you know. I don't know. I mean, I've, I find that like, for instance, if you take something like Millennium Library here downtown, um, we do, uh, Michelle had touched on this earlier, which is BookFest. And it's an opportunity for um, the public to come out and meet all of the Manitoba publishers and see what they're mm -hmm. they're publishing and buy their books. Or mm -hmm. have and and not only that, uh, typically each publisher brings out a number of their authors or artists with them um, throughout the you know throughout the uh, the day. Okay. So it's an opportunity also for you to have like one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with uh, these authors, talk to them about um, the books, um, maybe their publishing experience, or just get a autograph yeah and it, so so uh, like across rural Manitoba there's still lots of libraries in every community. yeah we, we one, of, one of our authors and is that a, is that she, a place she gets to go great to? support from her from local libraries and, you know, yeah. she'll tour so and she'll go tour, around yeah, from yeah. you know library to library and yeah. do talks and you know and readings and so you encourage all of your probably all of your writers to do something like that to get I mean there. it depends if there's demand right and especially if the authors of uh, rural I mean, it really makes sense to go and have mm -hmm. them go ahead, go ahead and do do that kind of uh, that circuit, right? Yeah. So and the library is a hub, right, for that that smaller community. It's a place mm -hmm. to meet because there's more going on in the library than just the books, yeah. right? Like so, there's there's a lot of opportunity there to 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 have you know other experiences. But I think one of the other big things too is is that authors get paid to have their books in libraries. Right, the, right. The, the the government, uh, you know, because they buy books, right? They're well, they're orders. but it's it's public lending, so the yeah. public lending act allows them to receive a paycheck every February for books that are in libraries, right? Because yeah. yeah. they're being they're they're being lent out for free. Mm -hmm. But libraries face the same issues that bookstores are, right? There's they have more data, and you know, in with more with a data driven, you know, um, uh, uh, libraries that. You know they're looking at what books are going to go and be borrowed the most right yeah and so they're going to go okay it's going to be stephen king he might not be you know winnipeg he might not be manitoba he might not be telling a story that anyone here mm -hmm. even can relate to um, but he's one of the biggest authors in the world so i'm going to yeah. order 15 copies of his book mm -hmm. um, at bay turnstone maybe i'll order one or two of yours mm -hmm. that's right. right and so then you know the borrowing rates you know, like libraries are driven, you know, they don't get funding mm -hmm. if the books aren't getting borrowed. That's right. Right. And so they they have to also fill their shelves yeah. with the most popular books out there, which again, you know, um, they can go ahead and recommend. They're a little bit more in touch with, yeah. uh, with uh, what's local happening locally, yeah. but they still also have their heads very much in the large presses, yeah. right? And trying to go ahead and you know, make sure that uh, their users um, are, you know, coming in regularly and they're giving people what 
what they want. And I mean, that's kind of a, there's a bit of a, a chicken and egg situation, yeah. right? Because, yeah. right, if you, if you, if people don't know that there's an alternative, they'll yeah. always keep on going for the same thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Turnstone publishes Ravenstone uh, titles, which are mystery um, and thrillers and speculative fiction. And, uh, you know, um, I think sometimes people don't realize that it, it's not just, we don't just publish poetry or um, literary novels. Um, mm -hmm. That if you want kind of like a get in there gritty kind of fun ride of a book, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can get those from like local, local writers yeah. and local publishers and you just need to look for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, 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 and like, like from an at bay press perspective, I, I, I really have, <laughs> I have a hard time saying no to something that's really, really good. Like it may, like, like over the years we've evolved in such a way that like, um, we're publishing more poetry than we ever have before graphic novels. Um, and it's just because good, great content is coming in and do you feel silly saying graphic novels? No, <laughs> I always uh, thought that was odd. I always it, thought that was like, we used to call it comic it's books. Become a, it's become a... Even the good ones, even the really high-end comic yeah. books are still comic books. And yeah, it it's just become like a word. As the young people grew up, it was like, well, let's call them novels so maybe they'll, yeah. they'll see themselves differently or something. Well, I think the expansion there yeah. is, is that you, you, you've had where um, a comic book was a single issue that was di digestible and then... Well, there wasn't that many words in it. There's mostly no. pictures, right? So. But then, you know, uh, you know, around the uh, around the 1970s with somebody like Will Eisner and, uh, you know, even like a, a fellow like Alan Moore, these people were developing um, that medium into something that became more high art. Mm -hmm. And so instead of taking the hyperbolic superhero and and they, they were telling real stories about real people, about real lives in this sequential art form media that, uh, or sorry, medium, mm -hmm. and, um, you it know. just supported by imagery. Uh, well, that was, the, yeah, I mean, if you, if you take somebody like Will Eisner, I mean, he, his, his panel structure, his understanding of that was that, you know, I, I, need, I need mood, so I'm, I'm using a lot more ink. I'm talking about perspective. I'm, I'm looking at cinematic views, um, pacing through panel structure. So he was he was looking at these types of things and and really doing groundbreaking stuff that I think that's where that word graphic novel came from was is that these were, you know, complete one-shot stories that were like 100 pages long that that did seem more like a novel, mm -hmm. but yet they were graphically inclined. In terms of, you know, like the the the, the type of storytelling you're you're getting to much more long form development. That's right. Right. Okay. And with a with a comic, right, it's like a quick hit. Yeah. And yeah. you know, with a graphic novel, um, you can there's definitely the opportunity for slow burn, right? And yeah. to and um, through art really kind of develop a, a sense of mood and style and nuance that you couldn't get um, in mm. a in a in a comic. Um, I think, you know, it, it'd be almost the same as if someone tried to condense um, a novel, one of our novels, down to a short story. That's right. Um, I've heard many writers um, talk of how challenging a short story is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To be able to put together a strong, compelling um, beginning, middle, and end, right, yeah. to a short story. Um, whereas with a novel, mm -hmm. I mean, there's You've got more space. You have more space to mm -hmm. develop and really kind of bring your reader to a, a different understanding. Yeah. Um, and that's where that's where great short fiction 
um, you know, if it can do that, if it can really kind of change your awareness. Does it help you boil the story down to word-wise? Because you're in a novel, you have to set the scene so graphically as you will. So well, now bit, you're no, getting no, into no, no, but the minutia of... No, uh, but when I'm reading a novel, I'm, my head's seeing yeah. the stuff, right? Because they're describing yeah. the scene. So in a graphic novel, do you, do you get to do well, a little bit less word description well your scene, scene is your scene like like if you're if you're setting it like if, if, if a graphic novel is set in winnipeg right um you get to see the city visually right yeah. like you're you're seeing so the artist yeah instead of you having to build that image but some some writers uh oh, yeah. will even tell um you know two or three full pages of story without any text at all they've written um the script and they've provided that to the artist saying that like you, this is how I want the story to go, but you need to tell it in a silent format. And you know, it's gonna speak volumes based on the art that you've presented, right? So There's it's, like, it's like putting a movie in a book without actual yeah. Uh, yeah. audio. I mean, you know, every, every single shadow, you know, every mm -hmm. figure that appears in there, you know, um, will have some impact on the story, yeah. right? And you're, you're right, I mean, you know, that, it comes through often a collaboration it is between between the artist and the uh, and the writer yeah. yeah to how to build that sense of mood right? and is it typically one pushing uh forward more and the other one working depends on the i think it just depends on the relationship and the and and the combination yeah. of the team working on it i mean obviously there are some writers who are also doing the illustration chores as well um but yeah it, it really depends on the dynamic in that relationship but i mean if you even look at something like poetry like there's there 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 are periods in the poetry. I mean, formatting is everything. The the layout, the design, um, and I think Jameis can speak to this quite a bit. But I mean, you'll see where a poet will say, you know, I need a line break here because I need I need to create a pacing pause, yeah. right? So that the the next stanza or mm -hmm. whatever you know is is felt for some reason. There's right. there's uh, like. Whenever you see structure, there's a, there's a reason for it. Like you know, we take all of that in, and we we need to make sure that we're we're paying very close attention to that vision that that's that's there. And even you know, like sometimes um, uh, poet um, will they bring you their raw material, and you know, it's not formatted the same way. Most poetry is you know kind of like in a five and a half by eight and a half form, and they usually work in an eight and a half by 11 form. Yeah. So line breaks don't always work. And sometimes there's just certain poems um, as a designer that jump out and go, okay, we need to, this is exciting. We can deal with this differently. I had, uh, well, you worked with Karen Clavel and uh, That's right. one of our one of our books with her, uh, I.O. Lair. She has this one uh, suite. Um, it's a, it's kind of like a, it's a long poem about a nautical disaster. And one of the poems she does is more like a found poem based upon um, naval codes uh, and so incredibly moving and it's the flag codes that they would go ahead and mm. you you issue um, to each other kind of you know to uh, express distress or um, you know request help and so uh, when I read this poem and she explained to me how she built it and just how incredibly moving this language is uh, uh, I, I immediately went and started looking up all the flags right and so mm -hmm. in the marginalia around the poems on the, on the uh, outer edge, there's all the flags. And so the poem is told in words, but on the side is actually also told in flags. Mm -hmm. So if you are familiar with you know, the language of the sea, you could actually do the poem 
just by looking at flags, right? right? And that's part of that, that interaction. So, so you've invented graphic poetry. Well, I don't know if I've invented it. New genre. I mean, it, it's New been genre. it's been New around for a long time, <laughs> yeah. um, but but the design and the layout played a huge factor in that book. Do poets see graphic novels and go, "Man, this is great! I can use my poetry and and use." I think you're seeing a lot more. Um, we'll call it cross pollination, where where these. Uh, these people are, uh, the, you know, they're, they're creative people and they're always looking for inspiration. Their yeah. imagination is always going 24-7. So, yeah, I think that they do look at potential collaborations now more than ever. Mm -hmm. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, just going back to what Jameis said about uh, that particular book of poetry, the, the layout and the design, like I said, I, I, I've seen this book, I've read this book, and it, it was a very key factor in... Um, the final end product and the the overall uh, experience, both visually and just texturally, like just holding yeah. the book and looking at those pages. And so the book that we actually publish, uh, that we that, that that is forthcoming with the same author, Karen Covell, um, it's interesting that uh, the design and the layout played a very big factor in that book as well too, because it's sort of an epistolary novel. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of poetic aspects to it, and um, we actually commissioned an illustrator to do some some color, colored plates in that book. Okay. And so we're getting uh, there. We're getting no, there. yeah, yeah, and it evolves. It does. It evolves. But I mean, yeah. I think that I think that that particular author um, that's a part of. We didn't just do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. There's a reason why that's it's, there. It's part of her language. Yes. Yeah. And it's yeah. how and it's how she interacts with the publishers and idea people and how she sees it and absolutely and her her mind sees it exactly. differently as you go yeah. along and it just organically yeah it's a are, it, are mean, graphic novels more expensive to print because of the amount of ink and things like that well they're or, shorter the paper they're generally shorter yeah they're the sh they're, they, they, it kind of works out in most cases to be the same okay. um, but I mean you're printing often in color yeah um, which and of course a different paper too you'd think wouldn't you. Uh, yeah, to some degree, there is an expectation. Well, there there used to be an expectation that it would be printed yeah. on more of a glossy stock. Yeah, um, that's going away now, okay. where the 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 experience is 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 evolving and changing, right? So that uh, it is um, closer to the same type of stock that's being printed on uh, a, a a regular book of text, right? So. Oh, okay. Um, but the type of paper you print on actually impacts the way does. the story is being told. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, people don't well, realize that, that. We actually yeah. think we think about... Because you could have a graphic novel that takes glossy paper, a lot of ink, a bigger format, yeah. and then you can take a book of poetry yeah. that with super nice paper and and just mm -hmm. the way it's it's printed, like the quality of print on it. And but they can be probably the same cost to make. And, no, but, but what, Jameis, like what Jameis is saying there, every... Every aspect of the physical construction of the book um, is, is, is has thought gone into it. It, yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. It does. And we, we, well, what we're, I'm saying we're aware is of how it impacts. Different books could cost the same price in the end for different reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, when you do buy when you buy a, a book from a, a large press, uh, the amount that they actually paid for it yeah. is probably well, they buy ten, bulk, right? ten to fifty yeah. times less than what 
we actually spend yeah, yeah, yeah. on that because breaks, so. because of volume. Yeah, you know the volume yeah. breaks that, that they they can go ahead and print in. Um, yeah. they can but they often own their own printing, right? Yeah. Like they do their own printing in house, okay. right? So there's there's that aspect. And we have local we have local printers here. We have Friesens. Oh yes, Friesens is one of the the world's or North America's best printer, and you know yeah. Um, yeah. They, they're you know in that conversation all the time, and we do you know the majority of our work with them. Yeah, same um, same with us. And yeah. are there other printing presses in yep. in the province? Yeah, yep. there's also yeah. Hignol and Cromar, and uh, yeah. there's also Premier Printing, right. and yeah, um, which we've used all these guys too yeah yeah um and so you guys don't face the same do you face uh paper costs or supply issues absolutely the same way they used to where mcclellan would have to go to italy (laughs) to get things printed because it's happening right now well i mean you know the the, the sometimes sometimes uh it's challenging just to you know turnstone commit you know commits to having a hundred percent you know post-consumer waste in all of its books to make sure that our books are completely you know they're sustainable and that they're actually you know the the paper that the ancient forest friendly that sort of thing yeah. is always taken into consideration because we realize mm-hmm. that we have a big impact on yeah. the environment as well exactly and certain certain type papers just you can't find them yeah. in no. that and so then when you're trying to do perhaps like a, we've done a couple of um, uh, photography books and trying to get the right kind of paper so that the the pictures really just pop yeah. um, that can be sometimes challenging because when you get to those high level art photography books um uh, the the cost of the paper can be just exorbitant um <laughs> and, true. and and uh yeah. at the same yeah, time because that's a process too and you got a guy sitting over running a a paper making facility company who's having the same issues that you well, guys are and, having and the diversity with your own product paper yeah. diversity is is yeah. far less than it used to be that's right you can't quite find the same kind of exciting papers um, no. in in large volumes um, than than you used to. I mean, Turnstone's done some interesting hand hand bound books, yeah. and it's it's if you go down that road, if you're like you really want to get into the craftsmanship and artisanry of books, yeah. we have one little uh, chapbook, and uh, some of the paper is actually made with shredded money. Yeah, <laughs> that's wow. awesome. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. and so you can find really really you know, and the covers are actually done with paper that's been beaten with umbrellas. Yep. Yeah. So you can find some really <laughs> cool high art That's right. paper, but yeah. it, you would never do a, a print run because the amount it would cost you to do a, a run of thousand books. Yeah, like a, would just be a sheet yeah. of a sheet of handmade paper. Like like we put uh, uh, our press puts out um, usually four handmade titles a year um, in chapbook format. And that's a total labor of love. There is absolutely, we probably lose money on those, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we love doing it and our, and, our, and our authors love being involved in them. But you know, we, we seek out the paper and for a sheet of paper, um, you know, that's probably what, 24 by, I don't know, 24 by 20 or something like that. You're looking at about 30 bucks for one sheet of paper because it's, it's, it's artisan paper. It's handmade yeah. by somebody in Montreal or yeah. in Minneapolis or, you know, wherever we're, we're, we're seeking that paper out. Um, wow. But just going back to, you know, like, you know, we'll say the commercial paper industry, um, Jameis is right that the, the, the amount of availability, the diversity of the paper is less and less. And a good project to point that out on is we just recently uh, put together a book um, of abstract comics. It's a gorgeous, oversized book, 
and we wanted it to be printed on uh, a very light cream paper, um, a specific weight and texture, and our printer uh, had that paper, and then when we went to go to print, they no longer had that paper. It was all it was all gone. Discontinued. Discontinued. Yeah. And we had to immediately look at other options that were comparable to that. And fortunately, we were able to find one. But mm -hmm. that was, I mean, that was Friesen's who who dug that up for us and managed to to find something that was very much comparable. But the book itself wouldn't have been the same without that right. specific type of texture and feel and look. And I noticed some papers, I had a great book of sample papers from a company in the UK. And, and they, of course, say go visit our website, see where you can buy it. And I was just curious, so I, I looked up all their, where you can get it, and Canada was not at all <laughs> represented. And I was like, oh, how would you get, if you got that same sampler, yeah. can you get that paper? Like, would You'll you go through prisons? And big import costs. And big yeah. import costs. So yeah. that's why they're not here. Like that's why they've yeah. been shipped. Especially here. ordering anything from the United States. Like yeah. we've ordered paper in the past years ago, and the cost, it's just it, it it's not feasible anymore. Just because, you know, the the, the taxes that you're paying on it, but also the duty and import fees. Mm. It's you know you end up paying more in those than the actual cost in the paper. Are they so. going to take the word free out of free trade at some point? <laughs> <laughs> it's all scary stuff. When Call you're it expensive about trade. That. Yeah. I mean, because I worry. I worry about making the books. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Exactly. But like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, at some point, you got to even a, even a local paper maker is going to have to look at the economy and what they're facing in order to yeah. price yeah. the product and. And I mean, you know, the truth the is that, we, that we are right? impacted by, you know, um, decisions made outside of our industry. Yeah. You know, copyright legislation. Yeah. It's had a huge impact on, you know, on mm -hmm. writers and publishing, yeah. um, on the whole. Which the way? Which way? Because it's negatively. Negatively. <laughs> so how's, okay, Intellectual so. properties <laughs> have been in um, illegal free use for, um, I can't even think of how long now. Um, and it's unfortunate because, um, I mean, copyright at its sort of like broken down to its like barest essentials is that it's to protect um, the copyright holder um, from hmm. illegal or unfair use, right? But now and it's to protect their grandchildren who probably never even well, knew the person. I mean, you know, or the estate that, that controls it. Yeah, the, 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 mean, the extension of someone's rights to the work going yeah. beyond you know 50 75 yeah. 100 yeah. years in the yeah. u.s yeah, i mean crazy but i mean th those the extensions to those copyright to the cop those copyright laws is not actually being promulgated by any writers this That's is right. coming from disney yeah right Big it's companies. coming from huge yeah. multinationals who don't yeah. want to lose control of um you know intellectual property that yeah. that are know, worth billions to them yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And then it affects um, everything else. And though, I mean, because honestly, it's all the same law. for a writer, um, it, it does make things challenging. If you want to go ahead and uh, when we publish a book, if a writer has included materials from another writer in there, we you have to go ahead and, and seek permission. Mm -hmm. So if you've Absolutely. got if you've got uh, we had one book and it had um, Blackbird um, in it from the Beatles. Right. And um, a couple lines from it. And it was 200 bucks to us to go ahead and just include, you know, and so like usually book, like 200 bucks per copy or no, just $200 to, to license it, to, to, license, to yeah. license it for a certain period of time. Yeah. And if we, you know, if we sell all those books and we have to go back before and remember that we actually have, mm -hmm. you know, we have to, to get this done. License. 
renew the license. Wow. And yeah. uh, I mean, at the same time, it's an incredibly popular, you know, uh, song lyric. Mm-hmm. And somebody worked hard to go ahead and create it. Yeah. Why should they? Why? Why should someone not go ahead and get paid mm-hmm. for something they worked on? Yeah. That's I right. mean, I think if anyone said, you know, told you, well, you know what, go to work tomorrow, and uh, you're not going to get paid at all. Mm-hmm. You'd be like. I'm not going this, to work. I'm going somewhere else to work. Yeah. Right. right. And some of the, some, I've been in the media for a while. Do you get paid? Yeah. <laughs> really? We like, like the, I could get do. paid for this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. No, I mean, write that most, down most people would not go to a job if they didn't get paid for it. No, and, exactly. You know, and that's why writers have two jobs because one pays them and yeah. the one, other one gives pays them, them great, little. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, well, no, but their day job gets, keeps them with food and more like, but some of the changes, some of the changes, but the writing to, is almost a labor to copyright have like actually taken funds away from yeah. writers that they used to get. Yeah. So if you didn't even get paid for that other thing, yeah, right. that'd be yeah. Um, what, what Jameis was saying in 2012, the, co- there were changes made to the copyright act mm-hmm. and I was just pulling up a statistic here as we were talking. And since that point, uh, copyright revenues for Manitoba publishers have decreased uh, between about 75 and 90 percent. Wow. So it, it's had a huge impact. Yeah. Now, that's money that goes to the authors. Yeah. So right. how does that directly impact it? Look, what, between, from that law being unstated, what, what are the steps that, ha- that well, right, the market? Yeah, well, right now there's a copyright review of the act going on. So, so Parliament is uh, studying it. But... Um, when the act was revised, I, I think it was a number of combinations of circumstances, but one of the biggest was that uh, educational use uh, was exempted. Uh, so there was lots of photocopying and things going on okay. that publishers weren't being paid for. Okay. So, yeah, so you know. It, w- it became a really broad interpretation uh, of fair use. Right. Yeah. Right? They In some well. cases, yeah. you know, schools uh, are educated. That's like giving a school a torrent site and saying, here's all the books, just download Well, them that's and just it. That, that's and, and there were some cases where they were actually, like, binding, like, their own yeah. version of another publisher and author's book. That sounds like so, like, 1800s weird but i mean you know, you know it was school, happening you know yeah. educational bu- budgets are all squeezed yeah. and so you know they've all looked at it and went this is a way we can save money i there was yeah. a there was a uh, and kids hate reading so i guess they can somewhere in there they can justify like schools use lots of books kids hate looking well, at them I mean, so the book becomes the bad guy for everybody in a way and i mean that's that's yeah. actually you know like for university students you know, the, how much do they yeah. pay for textbooks? Yeah. I mean, universe, <laughs> you would right. think that students, and they warn you, even students would be the first people to go ahead and back you. book publishers and, yeah. you know, creative rights and all yeah. those things. But students, university students, you know, really have a problem with publishers mm-hmm. because yeah. of how much books cost. Yeah. And right. I mean, us small presses, uh, independent publishers will say books actually, like I was saying, like if you're building a, uh, a, you know, uh, a reading list from Turnstone's books, you're getting everything for like, you know, 17 to $20 a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're not paying $400 for a textbook and I'm not changing every, uh, an edition every single year. So you can't use last year's book. Yeah. I mean, that's certain very large publishers who have shareholders they have to answer to and they have profit margins they need to meet. Yeah. And so that's, that's their business model. Um, unfortunately, uh, I think, you know, again, this is that getting people to know that there are alternatives out there. Um, we have some great um, university presses um, and some independent presses like Fernwood um, who publish uh, great um, academic 
um, books that are a fraction of the price. Um, and so like if a, if a prof actually spent a bit more time um, and instead of looking at what the big houses are all offering and just kind mm -hmm. of following rote what happened last year, yeah. um, they can actually probably put together a very affordable uh, reading list uh, with actual books mm -hmm. instead of photocopies mm -hmm. um, for their students. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's something that's kind of eroded. And now it's, you know, things are getting photocopied. Um, some of the interpretations, you know, photocopy 10% um, of a book um, or one chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people think that's actually what, what the copyright law says. That's, that's what you're allowed to, to do. But that's actually what universities used to pay okay. writers to be able to copy that minimum. Right. Right. Like that was kind of like, well, you can, we pay a license and then everyone can photocopy 10% or one chapter. So it's like a SOCAN license for music and only for literature. Same exactly. Idea. And and so universities went, well, now fair use. What is fair use? Well, you know what? What we used to pay for, that's what fair use is. So right. now it's 10% in one chapter. When in fact, that is actually not the case. Um, you know, some, mm -hmm. you know uh, if, a, if a book or some poems, a key poem is included in an anthology, that can be one chapter. And yeah. suddenly... Um, I think this happened to uh, the sweater, um, the that you know the mm -hmm. epic you know hockey story. Yeah, that was that story is included in an anthology, and so a uh, school went ten percent. We can mm -hmm. just photocopy this this book out of this anthology, yeah. and it's completely legal. And you know um, it. This this is kind of you know yeah. this why we're this is why there's a review to see exactly what the impact has been. Yeah. Um, and it, it, there's been a huge impact. Yeah. Um, and uh, this goes back to the whole part of the ecosystem, mm -hmm. right? If, if schools can't go ahead and uh, respect the written work of writers, mm -hmm. how do they expect their students to ever grow up to be them? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, how and to yeah. respect it. How do you get them to care about the books that, they're, that yeah. you're saying, you know what, you should be reading this? That's yeah. right. Well, if you don't have respect for the work that someone's put into it, yeah. you're not going to get respect from your students to go ahead and, you know, yeah. actually become thoughtful, you know, readers and writers. Well, there's such a connection between culture and education. And if we're not paying for the creation of Canadian content, what happens a few years from now when we're, we're looking for that Canadian content mm -hmm. for schools or universities? Yeah. And it's not there. Like, like, this concerns me as a parent. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, too, is, is that, you know, you, you know, being in a place like Manitoba, uh, and I touched on this earlier, was um, just understanding the impact of, you know, various uh, diverse cultures, um, the indigenous community that's here, um, and, and playing a, a significant role in the publishing of those, uh, those marginalized voices, right? And figuring out a way on how to get those pieces of text out into uh, a larger audience, right? And, mm -hmm. and then the concerns of, of you know, they're, they're, you know, you're already struggling to, to figure out a way to, to make sure that those voices are heard and then for somebody to, I mean, it's theft, right? To, 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 to go ahead and, and take those voices and, and use them for free after these people have already struggled so much, it's, it's, it's really disappointing. So, um, yeah, we're always... I know people bristle when we, you know, people in the entertainment business mm. start talking about theft, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the same time... Um, 
there, there's such a, a broad spectrum of um, what people make off of their work, yeah. right? Like the, the business we're in, mm-hmm. the majority of people don't make a million dollars from their book. Um, they don't make a hundred thousand. One, you can just go to the website of the, the, the Manitoba Book Publishers Association and you can look and say, here's the gross revenues that Manitoba books earn. Yeah. And you go, wow. Yeah. Like maybe not wow, wow, but look, okay, that's, that's a lot of money. And then you see it, and then we pay authors out this much and it's 10% of that. And then, and then you understand all the costs that go into the books, like yep. that other percentage goes into like everything we've talked about. Yep. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're thinking, okay, $300,000. And then the next question I had without looking up anything is how many authors are there that have to take a piece of that? Yeah. And you know, it's not like one author is getting 300 grand a year and having a great life. It, you know, and it, it'll- It's the other way around. Yeah, like it'll vary within that. I'm sure yeah. some make a little, if they're, if they're more current in the book selling right now, they're maybe making more now. Well, but the writers that, but that has know. to be divided through every writer well, that's published. You, you look, you look at like a book of poetry. I mean, poetry is kind of at one of the the least profitable for an author. Um, but a best-selling book of poetry is about 500 copies in Canada. Yeah, yeah, right? that's wow. true. And yeah. so, if a if an author's taking a royalty on somewhere between a 15 to 20 dollar book, mm-hmm. they're making a dollar fifty to two bucks a book. Yeah, on maximum a bestseller. 500 copies, they're making maximum a thousand dollars in royalties on that. Yeah. That's right. Right. So if you go ahead and and then if they want to go decide, and promote it down, you the, decide to pirate that, pers- yeah. that person's book. Yeah, yeah. it's that, heartbreaking. Well, they're going to spend it all on going out and talking about their book. <laughs> it and is pushing no exactly. It, you know, and you know, even a, a best-selling novel yeah. is like two thousand copies. That's right. Again, on a twenty to twenty-five dollar book, you're talking like four to five thousand dollars for the majority of writers. Yeah. yeah. The the average skews. Because there are people who do sell, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, there are there are authors who sell more than that. five thousand yeah. copies in right. a week, yeah, type of thing. Um, yeah. but again, those are often but eventually the large their, houses they'll, they're, and their heart sales will dwindle. Another one will come along, but that person still keeps getting royalties of some kind. But it's just, it, but everybody is. That's the whole thing. Everybody's yeah. under copyright, and they're all they're, the obligation is to pay them a royalty. But that's a small pool of money. And I, and I, I don't, don't see. Did you guys hear this this morning? I, I think seed. Um, seed producers are looking to copyright the seeds that they actually um, sell to yeah. farmers. Nice. So if a farmer yeah. continues to use their seed, well, been they'll, doing that they'll have to pay a copyright a copyright fee yeah. to. So if if a seed if Monsanto yeah. can go and get copyright for for selling seeds, I really think writers should be able to get compensated for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> James, you'll have to start thinking about yeah. uh, what kind of impact that'll have on seed catalog. Completely, <laughs> completely. <laughs> but it must be awkward for some an MLA to get up and say how great the industries you're doing and and know that an industry like publishing and authors is it's almost it would be almost embarrassing. I wouldn't want that job to stand up and say, "All right, we have a healthy publishing industry." We do have a we do have an no. incredibly healthy publishing. Well, we industry do because yeah. lots of people are doing it, but healthy economically, I don't think you could get up and wave a flag because it's well, we're here. Yeah. And, and and we're we're we actually have more publishers now than yeah. you know back in the seventies yeah. and it's and it's and it is um, I mean yes if you look at the actual dollars it it doesn't look as uh, lovely as as what it actually is I mean it is robust and we are um, we are we are doing our thing and we're doing it well mm-hmm. but I mean the Writers Union of Canada they they will you know publish a statistic 
uh, yearly about you know how much Canadian authors are making, and if they were surviving just on their income of you know writing right. alone, they're all living for the most part below the poverty line, yeah. right? So there is there there are those 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 difficult numbers that you're that you're looking at, and I think that you know. Uh, writers realize that in order to survive they have to be responsible and get other jobs right like that's and and that's that's just a part of life um but that's no different than say somebody that's coming here from another country that is trying to establish a life and you know maybe they are working two jobs to get going mm -hmm. um so i mean it's it's, it's it's all relative to some degree but yeah. i guess where yeah. i'm coming from is is that we still have a very healthy and and, and um, you know, very um, diverse and robust. I've always been of the opinion that, you know, telling stories is one of the, the core parts of being human, yeah. right? Our humanity mm -hmm. is in our interactions, in our storytelling, mm -hmm. right? Um, even what we're doing right now, sharing stories with you mm -hmm. and, yep. you know, and your, and your listeners, um, we're doing it through one medium, but other people, you know, have a need to tell it through different ways. That's right. And I don't think that'll ever go anywhere. And I think, you know, especially for, you know, if you kind of plot the evolution of, of publishing um, in, in Manitoba, in Canada, uh, right at the very beginning, at the top of the show, there wasn't a place for local writers to go ahead and get published. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anywhere. Yeah. And so you hardly ever heard of local Winnipeg um, writers and certainly no one would ever go ahead and say, Oh, he's from Winnipeg. It'd be like, he was born, you know, his ancestors come from England or from the U S and you know, he just happened to move to Winnipeg. Yeah. So we'll just kind of ignore that part. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, now you can be proud to be a Winnipegger. Um, you can go ahead and pursue a diversity of, of writing. Like it's, yeah. it, it, you don't even have to be a literary writer. Now there we have, you know, um, graphic novel, you know, right. publishers. Mm -hmm. uh, we have um, publishers who specialize in indigenous um, materials. We have, um, you know, uh, like Turnstone. You know, we 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 specialize. You know, I I, I kind of hesitate there. We publish people from all over the, the country, but Manitoba Prairie stories are what we're interested. In. We want we want to hear about the world that we live in, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and we want to bring it to the rest of the world. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And like that's that, a big thing. That didn't exist. 40 years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and you know, yeah, there's struggles. There's struggles in every single industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have ups and downs. Yep. Um, right now we do have, you know, a couple of, couple of, you know, hurdles that we're trying to, you know, get over, which is one of them is copyright, right. which is something that was brought in and, uh, we were kind of, uh, told to that it would not really impact our industry. And we've seen a lot of material impact on the industry. And so, you know, um, we're trying to kind of push that back so that we can continue to grow. Um, mm -hmm. That, you know, that we can have more publishers in Manitoba. That, you know, that our, 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 our provincial leaders and federal leaders and civic leaders um, say, you know what, the arts in Manitoba, this really sets us apart mm -hmm. from the rest of Canada. It, it has made Winnipeg in Manitoba, a great province. And I, I, I will argue I think that, we're seeing that that's too. actually one of those things that, mm -hmm. you know, people, when they think of Winnipeg outside of, outside of our borders, they go, that's a great art city. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it used to be a place you'd have to leave. So you'd be a musician and you'd be touring in the States and they say, Oh, you're from Manitoba or Winnipeg. And 
And they said, yeah, I know a lot of good musicians I've met that started there. Yeah. But it used to be a place I had to leave to, to go and And, and now, and now we, you know, but people you can, love, cons- you know, you enjoying the arts here in this, in this, in this uh, city, in this yeah. province. And, you know, I think there's been a bit of a stagnation. We take it for granted a little bit. Oh, yeah. we've got all these great writers and we've got these great artists. Yeah. And we haven't been keeping up our investment in it. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's a big thing. Art, arts funding in, in in Manitoba hasn't changed in like thirty years. Is that yeah. why they pushed new home sales? Because most of the uh, musicians do stucco work or something like. Well, <laughs> they got to support them. I mean, yeah. you know, they, <laughs> that's a weird way to support. In terms of you know find, finding finding developing and competing on a national level, there's yeah. a it takes a lot of resources. How do you push this out internationally then? Like, do you guys have an aspect of? Well, we have we have a we have a foreign rights agent. Um, there are trade shows that. Um, the, you know, the AMBP goes to that. Yeah, we were um, in the United States, in Minneapolis, in October for the Heartland Fall Forum, okay. where there were about 300 independent U.S. booksellers. So, you, yeah, okay. so, so like we're trying to one help promote. Yeah. 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 The majority of books that ma- we, we sell through Manitoba Publishers are to people outside of Manitoba. Yeah, yeah. like there's a real, there's a real, um, there's a real uh, interest and, and um, desire to read um, books that you know are, are are not from your walk of life, right? So if you if you live in Toronto, um, you have a desire to know what's going on in other provinces or even you know farther abroad, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, um, you know, getting those those voices, uh, those titles out there, are really important because there is a demand for it. Um, but at the same time, um, going back to what. Uh, Jameis said just you do need that support and it's bigger than just um, the literary community itself you do have to have your um, you do have to have um, you know you have to be somewhat politically minded and you have to have the the support from those politicians in your province Mm. um, in order to like they have to invest in the arts they have to understand that. Um, well, they have to treat it like an export product, not just an art. Or something. I, I, not necessarily as a product. Yeah, I think it's more you have to treat it as as as, as an important facet of being a human being. It, it's it's a fabric of being Manitoban. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, the, I think the arts, uh, the arts industry. You know, I hesitate calling it an industry, but pursuing the arts. I think is really part of um, being Manitoban, yeah. right? Enjoying mm-hmm. uh, the theater, going out to yeah. um, enjo- enjoying a reading, um, taking in a concert. Um, these things, they're really important to Manitobans, and um, and you can't measure those. I was just I was listening to, or was introduced to the um, Bobby Kennedy's gross dom- gross national product speech that he gave on his when he's running for president, and he was talking about you know, uh, sending out tow trucks to clean up car crashes on our freeways is part of the, we can measure that in our economy. Uh, yeah. We can measure uh, all these bad things that we do, like smoking advertising at the time. He said that's part of a gross national product. And he said what's not measured in it is is your feelings when you do something nice for somebody else or when you, you know, read a book, like how you, you become inspired. Like that's not measurable. And he's, he's talking about how we're, we're so blinded by how we how important we see our ourselves when we look at just numbers and we yeah. miss we miss all the humanity. Cult, culture is about livability. 
yeah. without culture then things become less livable right it, it's yeah. the quality of life right mm-hmm. yeah and and um you know as i said earlier um we one of the things that we do risk is taking it for granted right we've developed we've developed great writers we've developed you know and we have very passionate committed people in this province uh, who are willing to go ahead and put in blood sweat and tears to make great books um, uh, available to people in Manitoba and across the country Um, but if you take that for granted and you erode the supports that got us there Mm. then it can just as easily go away yes You know? and, and and that's and like for us as a publisher like we we think about that all the time where we we think okay this book is different it's so unique it, it, it's not eligible for a government grant what do we do well we publish it you know what I mean like that we figure out a way to do it mm-hmm. um, and that's that's something that I think uh, a lot of people don't understand is is that um, you know this is this is this is us taking like risk after risk in order to make sure that these important um, and they are important they're very important uh, they they change how we look at things they change how we feel um, they impact us in ways that uh, that you know um, help us develop as human beings into better people mm-hmm. um, or help us through struggle right so these are these are elements that 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 we we take so seriously because we want to make sure that 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 goes out there and um yeah maybe that's why we get every one of our authors to to you know when they sign a contract they sign it in blood or tears right right so (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) but it is funny how it is funny how socially minded people will will uh, they'll employ the more dynamic aspects of capitalism and a capitalist mind right in order to bring things to people that they think those people really could do better with. You have whereas to think a, outside the box. Whereas a true capitalist, a you know, quote-unquote conservative capitalist, business-minded person probably would never do that. They look at the numbers and I'm not doing that. There's yeah. no growth for me in this. There's no profit margin. This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Well, being a publisher and is if, a lot if ever, like, yeah. Have you ever watched Dragons, Dan, when someone brings up a book project to the Dragons? They're like, there's <laughs> no way I'm even going to support this yeah, at I'm all. Yeah, I'm not involved at all. <laughs> right? Like, thanks. Yeah. It looks great. Wish you the best of luck. But, uh, yeah. you know, being a publisher is like, in my opinion, it's like it's it's like being on a on a on a ma- on a busy major highway. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're just constantly moving out of the way of traffic. Yeah coming from all directions. It's like Frogger. You're trying to you're, get a product That's exactly what it is. Your, your day is incredibly busy. I mean, yeah. you know, like there's, we've talked a lot about producing books, but that actually pales in comparison to actually marketing and promoting yeah. them. They're finding you know, your resources um, to print them on. going ahead and... You're talking about just, you're probably getting up in the morning looking what the paper market is. Well, have, yeah. your, have your sales but, shifted. Have but, your, you know, we, you we, know. Print, we print a book. Turnstone does print book. Then we do an EPUB. Then we do a Mobi. And we do a PDF, yeah. right? So we got four editions, and then I have to keep track of mm-hmm. what's called metadata yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for all those books, and get that out to all my different distribution partners, so that people can go ahead and buy them, yeah. right? Yeah. And that takes time. It and, really does. And then you know you've got someone who's on your social media accounts doing Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you've also got um, you're trying to plan a tour for an author. You're planning book launches for authors, mm-hmm. submitting um, to awards, submitting sm- for reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, geez, the list goes on and on of 
And how many people do you have working at, at bay there, Matt? <laughs> uh, we've got one, two, three. There's like five or six of us. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're and small we, Turnstone has three. Yeah. Well, how do you guys find time to read? <laughs> well, I mean, a lot, you know, you, 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 yeah. you in the, in oh. your every spare moment, you know, yeah. this is what we love. Yeah. And I mean, you're all, you do, you do a lot of reading like for work. Yeah. 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 Like I, I love reading. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a collector of books. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. That's 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 a passion of mine. Um, so I set a time. I, I set aside time specifically for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's not as hard to do as you think it is, mm -hmm. um, despite how busy you are. Um, and maybe some of those, you know, some of that time is, <laughs> you know, in the more difficult uh, periods of the day, the wee hours of the night, or whatever. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But I find time to read because that's what I love to do. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the best times in, in my family is when, you know, the house is quiet and we're all sitting down with a good book. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah. it's almost communal. We're yeah. not reading the same books. You know, we're all reading. Yeah. My wife's reading one book. My son's reading another book and I'm reading a different book. And, and, it and must we're, make all in, we're all in the living room and we're yeah. all just the TV's turned off yeah. and we're reading. And, and um, when, you have, when you sit down for dinner, it's a much livelier conversation, I can imagine, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Well, it's just it, that's it. You're creating that creating that vibration right that that sort of just goes out and you you feel it and um yeah you know t we don't really watch much tv in our house yeah. and i think that's one of the big things is, yeah. is that turning that tv off eh? yeah it's just it's not huge it's yeah. so huge getting unaddicted to that yeah is the screen time yeah. can be uh can be a bit of a, yeah. a time sink yeah <laughs> and, and the pointlessness of most of it too well, I mean, you know, once you once you turn it off and you go, you know, I don't miss the, the, any of that. But this is what's exciting about storytelling. I yeah. mean, we make books, but yeah. you know, there's some incredibly compelling movies yeah. Yeah. and yeah. video games. You know, I see them yeah. as like a really great. You know, like the amount of resources that go into developing them is just mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. But I think it's such an exciting way to tell a story. There's some very yeah. compelling video game. I never used to shoot people or steal cars. And, and then Dill. I got into video games. <laughs> my life, my life has been so much more colorful ever since. And and <laughs> I mean that's that's why people read genre fiction because they want to live vicariously yeah. through characters. They want they want to watch you know yeah. true crime. Yeah. You know, like people want they to read. Feel what that experience was like right? without actually transgressing or crossing yeah. those lines, right? And yeah. so you know, it, this is why I say like storytelling is so intrinsic mm -hmm. to to what it is to be a human mm -hmm. is yeah. telling those stories, and so. You know, with the proliferation hmm. of ways you can tell stories, yeah. that's that's part of the challenge, but that's also part of the excitement, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of us are you know looking at how do we do audiobooks, yeah. right? And you know, I think for for poets, I think audiobooks are like a wonderful opportunity because nothing makes poetry come to life mm -hmm. come to life more yeah. than hearing the poet give it voice. Um, you know, you can hear the yeah, rhythms. I, I love hearing a poet read. Yeah. yeah. Like I do. I, I love hearing, um, you know, them read their own work, which is, um, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an unbelievably, uh, intimate, uh, interactive experiences mm -hmm. at book launches, having the author go yeah. up and say, well, it's even like audio books, having the person, if you get it, it's always trying to find the right voice yeah. and some for that work. And sometimes the authors wants to read it themselves and they're just not the right voice. And oftentimes they're the perfect voice yeah. because they know how to present that. 
Yeah. And then if they if they're not the right voice or they don't want to do it, I'm sure is a process where they find the right person. And I've heard audiobooks presented by the same person, two different books. I'll just take two, for example, a Grover Gardner read on the road, and it was just like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah, this voice. Yeah. Well, you're you're having that experience yeah, with the with is, the voice actor, yeah, right? He yeah, he is that guy, and, and he it's is that, that spoken word that yeah. comes through, and yeah. the, and the book comes totally to life. Yeah, and then I listened to him read the rise and fall of the Third Reich, and I thought, what? <laughs> Why is Jack you got to disconnect? Guy yeah, reading yeah. this. Well, and it I, took a long time, it, and luckily it's a really long book. It took a long time to get used to him reading it right. because that presentation, I thought that should have been somebody else. You get else. so engrossed with the other title. Yeah, it should have been the guy that reads James Elroy's books, you know, that, that, right. that old guy that yep. does a great voice. He would have, but, but you just see how. And, how, and, and the, the reader for, for audiobooks is so important to picking that the right voice yes. for it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, the reason, a, it's an unbelievable talent. The yeah. reason why yeah. I refer to a oh, poet yeah. and reading their own work because that's, takes, they often are yeah. so in tuned with the rhythms yeah. that, um, you're not going to get the same thing out of a voice actor, yeah. no. but for yeah. novels and, you know, non, yeah. like fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. It totally has to be. And when it's a long book and you know they were coming back to them like day after day. Yeah. And it's so consistent. It's, and it's just, yeah. it's it is. It's, it is. it's, it's yeah. a marvel for and sure. And a lot of those are actors who, yeah. who have mm -hmm. found a real, a real niche in that. Well, the other thing about audio too is audio books is that if you're like, like for instance, on one of my own writing projects that I was working on, I did some research and one of the characters in the book was, was blind. And so I spent about a, uh, just a little under a year with um, a fellow from the CNIB. And afterwards, I told him, you know, I'll get you a copy of the book when it comes out. And um, I'd asked him what format he wanted in. And, and just in my head, you know, just in my ignorance, I thought, you know, hmm. he probably wants it in Braille. Right? right. And so, no, no, he said, I want it in audio. That's how I listen to Every all day. my books is yeah. in audio. And, you know, just not like, you know, somebody who has their sight. I just never really thought of that, like that, that yeah. experience. And he's like, oh, my experience with audiobooks are, yeah. are amazing. Well, wasn't that know? another cutback that happened years ago? Uh, CNIB used to have their intern. They hired people to read books into audio format mm -hmm. for there you go. their people. But then they cut that, that part of the budget. And yeah. so they're now they're just stuck with whatever books were done and all the new published books. They but even just somebody who's like, you know, uh, they have to go buy them now. Well, uh, I mean, I think, I think the, the exciting thing now is that um, the technologies have evolved to the point where publishers can a little bit more affordably. It's not yeah. exactly, you know, it's still, <laughs> it's not cheap. Yeah. You know, producing an audiobook uh, it can yeah. cost more than actual printing the print book. Yeah. Um, but. Um, Especially when you print those great long novels, and it's but and then like you, go, you know, geez, writing reading is good. EPUBs, take, you know, with you know. even with you know advanced EPUBs, you know, um, it's not the same as an audio reader, but it can have like a read aloud read aloud aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So there's ways for books to be a lot more accessible than they were in the past, and so it's kind of exciting because it's almost like a whole new marketplace opening up for publishers, mm -hmm. where there were there were individuals who just you know they couldn't access. Mm -hmm. Right, because of the format that we produced books in, and yeah. it, certain administrative hoops had to be gone through for that to happen. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, um, technology's evolved to a point where, yeah, you know, there's people who want who want to read books and hear books, and they can actually buy like a book just like every other person, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of 
ability yeah. and they can have the same experience and that's yeah. that's really quite exciting or, or an even more robust one depending yeah. on how when i read a book off paper it depends on when i hear the voice yeah. But when you can hear a presentation, that's the beauty of reading the book, right? Is yeah. that you create the you sound, create you book, create the voice. The yeah. The and then when you listen to the audio book, if they do the same, like create that same, if like you get a synergy going, it's yeah, really it awesome. Is, yeah. It's really, yeah. Cool. And but I don't when, think it's, when it's, at, when, it's yeah. when it's against what you, the voice that you had in your head. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like mean. watching a movie yeah. after you've read it. It's kind of like, yeah. Oh God, that's not how anyone's supposed to look. That's not how anyone's supposed to sound. I've heard some audio books where I tell people, yeah, just read it. Just read it. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't deal with it. Well, that has been yeah. always the old cliche, right? Is, is that yeah. the, the, the book is always better than the movie. Oh, exactly. And as a publisher, I'm here to say that yeah. it is. Well, movies, <laughs> movies are completely different. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes movies can take a really bad book and make it a really good movie. Oh, there's, some, there's some great adaptations and then, out yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now yeah, with long-form TV, like they can yeah. take a long novel and say, mm-hmm. well, yeah. instead of deciding which 90% to cut out, we're going to put 100% in and yeah. it's going to be great. Or add in some of Rex or stuff in there mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cuz you have to. Yeah. You know, there's there's certain decisions that are made yeah. in, you know, film and television that mm. writers don't write in. Is there a lot of rights being sold from your authors? Like Manitoba authors I mean, are it, they being it, turned into? It comes and goes. I mean, you know, like rights <laughs> are kind of um, you know, it's kind of like winning the lottery depends on what's, you know, if you get to the right person at the right time, yeah. it's like publishing. Like it's the same, same deal. We've, uh, it's lightning striking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we recently signed, uh, licensed one of our, uh, Ravenstone books to, um, a Quebec publisher for world French language uh, mm-hmm. rights. Okay. And it's about, um, German, um, German POWs, um, in a Canadian concentration or a Canadian, um, POW camp. Right. So like out in the ones that they had out in uh, Lethbridge, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, that whole mythology about how, you know, Canadian uh, POW camps were yeah. so like well run that the inmates ran themselves and we didn't actually need even yeah. guards. That's the story. Well, didn't they, didn't Germans build all the roads in Riding Mountain? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, they just were like, well, if you're going to be here, like, let us do something. And they had nowhere to go because it was wilderness. Yeah. So if they tried to run away, yeah. they were going to get eaten by a bear or a cougar. Well, they probably like weren't going to because they're like, nobody's shooting at me here. So I can <laughs> just right. hang. It's like most POWs are yeah. like, oh, thank will I Will I starve to death? No, okay. Well, and this is better than being out there. You know? And so, it's like, we, we sold the rights. We sold the rights to that particular yeah. that type of story to a Quebec publisher. And we've, yeah. um, we've sold rights to uh, quite often Germans. Uh, mm-hmm. Germany is always uh, very interested in prairie writing, mm-hmm. um, and we've also sold. Uh, I sold um, Portuguese language rights um, to a Brazilian publisher. Okay, you know, so yeah. uh, you know, it, it gets around, uh, mm-hmm. but it it's that e- there's all these extra layers of effort that we put in, right? Um, so, what does an author expect? Just to just to spin is, out the whole. It depends new... on the author. Sometimes no, they expect everything. No, but if I'm <laughs> say I'm I'm. I've been writing, like I'll use myself for example, mm-hmm. but I haven't been writing. But say I've been writing and I've been writing, and I think, oh, you know what, this is, this is something I want to shop around now. I want to see if there's any interest. So what is my journey as I, as I leave my front doorstep to go with my manuscript in my <laughs> hand to say, does, is anybody going to like this? So what Stop do I do? Stop right there <laughs> and then go to our website and read our submissions guidelines. Yeah. Okay. Because they're, the last thing you want to do is you want to submit to a publisher that publishes fiction or poetry and yours is about you know nonfiction true crime, right. which is something that the publisher doesn't publish. So I'm not right. talking to all you guys because you're probably 
in different areas. In different we, areas. Yeah. yeah. We Doing all have different special specialties. And yeah. if I need help with that, I can, and can I look at the Manitoba Book Publishers website? Absolutely. We get people me. calling us all the time. We tell them to do their research. That's uh, research really yeah. important. People. But I just wrote a book. I've done so much already. <laughs> Isn't this just magical? Well, hopefully, just hopefully you've, been, you've been reading lots of books. Yeah. You know, and if you've read books by Manitoba publishers, you start you'll, the, you'll start the, getting a sense of like, oh, you know what? I like I like the books that you know Turnstone's mm-hmm. putting out. You know what? I think my book I think my fit. would so be a you, good fit for so them. So you can yep. just look at the book you're reading and, yeah. and look at the uh, the mass head and see where you're. Well, I think the other thing too is is just uh, have you have you actually have you actually taken the time to say okay y- yes my mom has read it and she said it's amazing, you know have I have I actually um, gone to an independent third party who's going to really read it from an impartial perspective and say, yeah, you know what? That's a great book. You should look at submitting that. Or it needs a lot more work still before mm-hmm. I would ever send it out to the world. Yeah. And once you get to that point where you're like, okay, I've got a book that I think is ready, okay. then I would say, yeah, you know, do your research and submit and then be patient. I think also, too, you have to evaluate why you want it published. That's right? a huge thing. If, if, you're, if you're doing it because you're like, you know what? I need to make some money. Yeah, that's not the motive. That's not the Wrong reason place to do to it. Be. If you're doing it because, like, you know what, I need people to go ahead and love me. Yeah, that's not the business for you. I want to be famous yeah. because publishing Forget can it. be really hard. I mean, yeah. you can you can climb to the clouds, but it can also really break your spirit, right? Because at the same time, you know, while some people might love it, other Others. people might not. Mm-hmm. And that's that is going to be the that is going to be generally the, the experience is is that if we send the book out to 20 places for reviews, 10 of them aren't even going to review it. And then the others are, you know, some of them are going to say, this is a great book. Some of them are going to say, this is an okay book. And others are going to rip it to shreds. And you might get that one, but it happens to be like New York Times or the Globe and Mail where they do that to you or something. And and it outweighs everything too. Yeah, no, so like, I mean, also too, before you even send out to anyone, like have you actually, you know, sent out small pieces to journals? right mm-hmm. to magazines that's you know how you kind of build up a bit of a skin okay yeah. right okay. for that kind of rejection because also too like sending to a publisher doesn't mean we're going to publish it that's no. what i was going to ask too is uh, you know you always hear these things like oh all the publishers are so stupid this guy he has a wall that he papered with rejection letters for his mm-hmm. new first novel which turned out to be the, the, the one that didn't send a rejection letter published it and he <laughs> made billions and he's famous and how could those publishers be so crazy? But it's, it struck me that there must be a value to that author to get all those rejection mm-hmm. letters. It must oh, yeah, that, that's something. a thick skin, but that's also... No, but what does it help? Like when they get these back, this response, yeah. what is that telling them about their work and, and, and how does that redirect their efforts? We're a little different, for like from just like I general. think that major publishers uh, they 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 no longer accept unsolicited manuscripts. Yeah. And when they uh, when so what, they what work, is that? let's unpack that. Okay, <laughs> so an unsolicited manuscript yeah, means that, see that uh, we're not accepting unsolicited. Yeah, work. so that means that, like for instance, you are an unagent and author for, for you don't have someone representing your work. So, so someone, I'm just me writing, and then you're I, just you. So I can't go to your. You think your work is fantastic. Yeah, yeah but I can't go to your door and say here. Look you can this. no. That's the point. Is is that we will accept yeah. unsolicited. Oh, you will Turnstone as well. Okay. I mean, yeah. we have okay. an open open submission policy. Okay. So, so when you see somebody says we don't accept unsolicited, yeah, you have to have. You you so have to unsolicited have... means I'm not represented by an agent. That's right. Or or the publisher hasn't asked you for yeah. the okay. work. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like if so, if, if you if you found out about me and said 
So because I got somebody to read it, like say I got Michelle to read it, and so what do you think? And she says, great. And, and then and then she said, I don't know if that's a new service the MVP is looking oh, no, at be uh, offering. Uh, but. Sorry, the invisible person beside me said, it's great. You know, you should really whatever. And I go, you know, I'm still thinking about. It. And then they go to a dinner party and they meet one of you and say, you know, I just read this thing. It was amazing. And you respect their opinion. Yep. Then you might come and seek me out. Yep. And yeah. say, you know, I want to take a look. And, yeah. and there yeah. are actually services through the Winnipeg Public Library services, uh, Winnipeg Public Library and other places, mm. they have writer in residence. So okay. you can send some of your writing. To have it reviewed. To have it reviewed and get that By kind of feedback. Yeah. And do you guys yeah. peek into that as well then from your side? Of well, the no, that's, that's that referral. Yeah, I mean, that's this, referral. this year it's so Jordan, the, Jordan Wheeler is yeah. the, the writer in residence at the right. Winnipeg Public Library. Okay. And Jordan has been published by uh, a number of different publishers across Canada. Right. And so if he sees something that's great, I don't know. It'll be up. It'll be his prerogative to say, right. "Hey, you know what? I think this would be a good place for you." Yeah. I mean, okay. and there, there, you don't so even the, have to so necessarily. So you have a variety of ways the other way to find me without me. Well, yeah, necessarily... I, I go to, um, I go to like, um, I mean, I go to tons of them: conventions, festivals, book fairs, mm -hmm. whatever. And 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 I find most of our talent at these places because these are people who one have have worked really hard to get out to this event right right and they also have real content available that's that they've done the work on and a confidence but, in their work too. A, a confidence in their yeah. work but the other thing too is is that I get people that that approach me all the time and say I've got this great idea for a book <laughs> and then I tell them to go write it mm -hmm. because I don't take ideas as, as pitches mm -hmm. you know what I mean like for me I want to actually see that you've at least got to a point where you've put words on a page. We need to see right. your skill. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it comes down to the book. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Ideas are great. Um, and this is, this is a great piece of advice I, I, I heard at a convention. One was, you know, like 90, 90% of people will never start to write, right? 90% mm -hmm. of people will never finish writing. Yeah. And 90% of people don't send it out to a publisher. Right. 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 So if you can actually get through those three stages, you're actually ahead of like 99.9% of all people <laughs> yeah. who, That's are, right. who are interested in, in Absolutely. writing. Absolutely. Okay. And um, I take that into account when yeah. I, like, like when, when we review a manuscript, um, if we're not going to publish it, and it really just was, and we do receive these, just bad writing, mm -hmm. um, we will write the, the author back and wish them the best of luck, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. they're in a growth stage. We don't want to, we don't want to destroy their dreams. Yeah. But if, if we actually saw uh, a manuscript that had true merit, but it's not ready, we will send back feedback and just say, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the pacing in chapter 11 is awful. The ending needs to be changed. You have to work on your overall dialogue, but there's a book here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just refocus. The, yeah. the, the hope is, and is we'll, that they will you know, take that we'll, to heart. We'll often say, yeah. if you do this, please resubmit it to yeah. us, and we'll have a look at it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes Turnstone will, like if, if it's – a little bit, you know, still developmental. Mm -hmm. We'll take on the project, yeah. and you know, you can work with the editor and and and, and get to a point. We'll kind of set up a, an editorial regime yeah. that yeah. will go ahead and help develop a new voice. It, usually, it's a new voice. It wouldn't yeah. be someone who's already published four books, okay. right. uh, and they sent us something that isn't all that polished. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, you already have experience, and you sent me Absolutely. something that doesn't seem like it's as polished. Mm -hmm. You need to go and work on this some more. Right. But a, a brand new voice, someone who's yeah. uh, you know uh, got a really exciting. Uh, story, um, yeah. I, small presses are a little bit more willing to go ahead and um, take a chance mm -hmm. um, on those new kind of burgeoning voices. That that's 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 how Absolutely. we differentiate ourselves. That's right? that's a big part of our publishing model is is seeing new voices. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. So I mean, there's a lot. There is opportunity there, um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's it's it, you got to treat it as any job. It, it, you mm -hmm. have to do the work. Um, so you have to be, be professional. Okay. So also to try and be yeah. professional. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, like sometimes people they send in a, a resume or they you know, or send in a cover letter and it's not. It it, it just. You is know, that part of their off-centered maybe well, expectations? It, they it, think it should just be. A, it, it it is professional correspondence, so it's like yeah. applying for any job, yeah. right? Like yeah. we've had we've had submissions sent in with like you know macaroni glued to the outside of the cover, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it's like, what is that? This isn't. We aren't doing crafts, arts and yeah. crafts here. Um, well, looking, maybe there might be a genre like with macaroni. Uh, with the macaroni the glued, to, they well, won't go on the shelves very easily. They actually use like you know silicone <laughs> to adhere it, so it was like a, a glued, sticky mess inside the envelope, and we tried to remove it. Oh, um, but uh, you know, like it, it's not it's not a sales job that you're trying to trying to get across to us. Like we're business people, yeah. and so like you know, often I'll get when we we, we ask for a a, we ask way. for a synopsis. Well, well my salesmanship and, has to be in the in the words, right? But right. when someone right. someone sends me someone yeah. sends me a synopsis, and they write me this copy and said, and some you know, and a darkness follows him. It's like uh -huh. I want to know what the darkness is. I don't yeah. I don't need yeah. I don't need to I don't need to cliffhanger. I yeah. got the book. We'll write right. the yeah. market copy if yeah. we publish it. Exactly. Yeah. So like that's not what tell you're me, doing. Tell me how it ends. Tell me everything. Yeah. I want to know why this book is extraordinary. Right. Yeah. Don't try and go and leave stuff out for mystery. Yeah. Because Be concise. I we don't Be have, succinct. Okay. But I get like, about, Turnstone gets between 300 to 800 manuscripts a year. Yeah. Right? Like that's and, a lot. And we publish 8 to 12 books. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So... Like we've got a, and we've got three people working for us doing all the production, yeah. all the marketing, right? Like our time, we need to kind of cut to the chase. I and like seeing a, I like seeing a manuscript come in um, where somebody is neat and tidy. They're professional. Mm -hmm. They've, um, you can tell right away that, um, and 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 for me, that that is a that is a selling point because I feel like that person, when I'm going to be working with them, is going to um, emulate what they've presented there. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody who um, hasn't taken that time, um, hasn't put a lot of thought into how they've presented the book, and hasn't really um, paid any attention at all to our to our submission guidelines. Um, I'm wondering how that experience is going to be working with them. It, it may continue to be unfocused. Right. In all aspects. Yeah. In all aspects. Yeah. Whereas yeah. somebody who, and, and typically those people who have submitted these uh, really well packaged books, um, the I, relationship I, is good. The, pro, the, the whole prospect project works out really, really well. It's, yeah. it's mm -hmm. successful. Yeah. Right. It's already, it starts off like Matt said, like in a place of success yeah. and right. it continues. Yeah. Yeah. If, it, if you try and short circuit that, you know, like you want to kind of get it done quicker and you're just going to try and be, you know, mm -hmm. try and be tricky and try and fool the publisher. Yeah. Then it usually it, doesn't end up working out in the your end. Readings you, aren't gonna go you're never going to be happy. <laughs> no, you know, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. The publisher's not going to be happy. And yeah. then you've got one book. And after that, you have to kind of maybe find another publisher right. because yeah. the relationship didn't work out well. And a right? small market where you all, know each other could be well i mean you different. can go anywhere in the world to publish no i'm I mean, just saying you know, but if you're looking locally then it can we do yeah. get that too i mean we yeah. get we get manuscripts from all over the world yeah um we get really? people who, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. we get people who send us manuscripts that um they're that, that you know they're they're they're, they're it, english isn't their first language and they're submitting to us hoping that we'll translate so that they can 
you know, break into the uh, North American market, which okay. is something we just don't have the resources to do. Right. Yeah. But the, you know, the, the, it is nice to see that people are, are considering us from all over, not just in mm-hmm. our, our province of uh, headquarters, right? Yeah. So right. Okay. Yeah, similar, similar turnstone, uh, similar to At Bay. That we, we get people from like Asia, yeah. um, you know, saying, hey, you know, I've heard of Turnstone Press and I think you'd, you know, you'd be a good place. Um, you know, I, maybe I'm a, you know, a Canadian living abroad or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, would you be interested in it? It's a re- it's a great story. And then we get into some really interesting conversations. Like how do we make this work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? This person actually isn't here to help promote the book yeah. in a local market and distribution out but there. But there's so be... much money in publishing. You'll, you'll fly them in, won't you? And do the whole <laughs> yeah. That, that's one of the Limos myths. That's one of the myths that always drives me crazy about, you know, uh, <laughs> popular media when it comes to, to yeah. publishers. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless you're at that absolute elite level, um, your public, your, your editor and your publisher don't fly in to come and visit you. Yeah. No. yeah. You know, just you. <laughs> You know, <laughs> they might be in for a conference somewhere and be like, you know what, let's get together, meet with you for coffee. Let's get together yeah. for coffee. <laughs> yeah, coffee. But I remember one, I remember one, one, one show I was watching and, uh, the character, she had written her own personal experience and it was so compelling that, you know, the publisher flew from New York to her house, like, you know, 10 mm-hmm. hours away. She didn't have an agent or anything else like yeah. that. And they sat down in her living room and talked about her book. Yeah. That does not happen. Those, those are yeah. just ones not even read. not even with a big house. Yeah. Those just those are just what we read about, I guess. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's 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 fantasy. It's yeah. a bit of wish fulfillment. Yeah. I mean, we all. I'll give we, you a call. Yeah. 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 Skype is the VoIP is cheaper. You than know what? Telephone calls. When so when I call up when I call up writers and yeah. we're ready to publish, you know, I welcome them to our family. Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's what it's you know mm. that's what i look at it as is that we're you're, you're i think that is the small press experience yeah. though the small press experience is, is that you're you're working with very few individuals at a press mm-hmm. and um yeah you really do get to know each other very well and i think that those relationships um at least it's our hope that they that they grow and they last and we help you develop mm-hmm. uh your career Right, and we want to see you succeed. And um, I and I can do most of that from my home. I don't have to leave my doorstep, because now yeah, I can. that's not that's that's definitely. I can an have option. most of that relationship and that development and right up till. Well, you know, I mean, I've been lucky enough now to be selected for publishing. It, it, it is good decisions. to get out and actually talk to yeah. other writers because that's no, no, part but I but I mean my relationship with my publisher. publisher. Yeah, like I can do probably most of that, and and then like if you, if if I'm going to be launched, you'll want to probably meet me and see. You know, make sure I know how to dress properly or something like that. Some, sometimes then, or the book launch. I mean, then, you know, like we... And then we'll go ahead with... We like never see the author. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, some, some oh, of those really? cases... Oh, I've just set up book launches in all different provinces, yeah. cities across the country, yep. North America, uh, even abroad. And uh, I, I, I don't get to be there. Yeah. Um, I would love to. And I have made uh, concessions for, for certain authors that I think um, potentially could really use the help. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that's something that's going to be a good opportunity. So yes, have done it, but not always um, more or less than, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, okay. um, you know, my job is to just make sure that they're prepared, they're prepared and they're set up, but you know, just staying on top of the, uh, the partnerships that, that were, you know, with the bookstore or, or whomever. Okay. Yeah. So as a, as a burgeoning author, you can have quite a, 
it can still be a quiet life yeah, with exceptions yeah. around launches or tours and then or yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I and think everyone's go goal back. is that but it becomes can, a very you know um, yeah. a very loud experience yeah. that yeah. you know that it gets noisy that you get yeah. media attention that you get great yeah. reviews that you get award nominations. Yeah. Um, I th I think that's what we all hope for. The yeah. reality is that I mean everyone wants that same experience, so we're all trying to get there, mm -hmm. and it's only a few that do get it yeah. so you have to kind of temper and so your, no matter, your expectations yeah, and, so, and then depend no matter how long or big that ride is you end up you get to go back to work then as a writer and and just go back to square well, one yeah exactly you you, you, it project. may not happen on your first book it may not happen on your second yeah you know but i i the hope is is that your experience um has been good enough um that you want to come back and do it again right you want to keep living your dream and your passion to put that next book out and have you had authors that you've worked with a lot a lot of books maybe they've never achieved they've never broken through but you felt really proud to have worked with them oh, absolutely. oh yeah completely yeah yep and they find every book we publish yep. every book we oh, yeah. publish we've been very fortunate to work with the One. author and the uh the mm. team that's that's put the book out and um absolutely 100 percent proud of of everything whether it uh you know whether it gets media attention or it wins an award or not um there was a reason why we put it out and yeah it's 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 it, we're, we're happy to see it in existence for turnstone i mean we've if we've taken the effort to go and publish it it's it's it always has effort and this is one of the things that people often don't realize is that like books have kind of a shelf life right um, and quite often, you is know, if a, something doesn't, uh, is that a part, part of the business is that if, if a book's not selling well, you put it out of print, yeah. right? And you reduce your inventory and you try and keep things manageable. Turnstone has a policy, you know, where we try and keep stuff in print as long as possible. Mm -hmm. So um, we've been publishing for 40 years and we have over 300 titles in print. Not many publishers do that. Yeah. And that's because I feel the work always has value. And when the book is no longer in print, then that's when it gets forgotten, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, if you go to Turnstone's website, you can get books that we published 40 years ago. Yeah, You can get wow. weird little chat books from some writers that have gone on for, you know, international success, you know? And um, that's because we believe every single book has value, Yeah, right? And, and, and we do our best to keep it in print um, it's for about, as long as humanly possible. That's that's challenging. I mean, eBooks mm -hmm. do give that great opportunity yeah. where it can kind of live digitally that's and right. be accessible to people all around the world. Yeah. Um, but you know, for an example, like Turnstone, I mean, where a lot of the stuff was pre eBook, not pre digital. A lot yeah. of the stuff was done digitally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just before the time of eBooks, and it just takes a long time for us to kind of get through that catalog to digitize them all. Yeah. Okay, let's end on what do your company names mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. No, you go. You get. <laughs> this is. A, I have to think about this one. What is terms? Well, I think at bay. My interpretation is. is yeah, I would love of, to hear what your interpretation a, you're keep, is. It's at bay. You're keeping a lot of potential wannabes at bay. <laughs> it's like I can oh, only okay. publish. So you, you want you want kind of like you know why we picked the why the names were chosen type of thing. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so I think like turnstone. Um, you're turning stones over, looking for the next author. That's kind of that's thing? that's exactly. You're always Turn, turnstone Great, is a yes. is a is a bird. Turnstone is a bird. Oh, is a bird. It has one of the largest, uh, longest migra migrational patterns in the world. It travels like tens of thousands of kilometers from like, you know, basically like from Asia to Alaska okay. and to to Canada. Like it's it's 
is incredibly hardy shorebird, and which so, is always in print. And it can be found in it can be found in you know uh, on the shores of Lake Manitoba. Okay. Um, and you know when it searches for its food, it is turned stones over. So that's kind of the the act of um, you know searching for those wonderful little stories um, that are embedded everywhere around us, and yeah. you just have to take the time to kind of sift through the through through the uh, through the stones to find them. Wow. So. Um, at Bay Press, uh, well, um, our, our our name sort of stems from that, um, the idea of, um, you know, being painted into a corner, being backed into a corner um, to the point. It was always based on the, the idea of a box and backing that animal into a corner, it would sort of bare its teeth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you fight stand up for itself, when, right? Yeah. So, you know... That that's sort of where the uh, the idea stems from there. So, yeah, it, it's just um, yeah, the idea is is that uh, it's it's tough. So you you kind of um, do what you can to survive. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And what is Manitoba Book Publishers Association, Association of Manitoba Book Publishers? Pretty self-explanatory. We <laughs> 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 found a bunch of book publishers and said, hey, and they, they got together and and, and yeah. Yeah. And and so you basically as an author I would probably not have much to do with you until you're helping my publisher. Well, we we do we do get right, calls um there's the Manitoba Writers Guild. So writers do call there. We we do get mm -hmm. calls from writers uh you know if if they're looking for a little bit of help if they're writing or starting to write and we, we talk about a lot of the things we covered here today, you know, doing mm -hmm. your research, uh following guidelines. Uh, that sort of thing, uh, developing a publication history mm -hmm. uh, through journals and periodicals and, and just being really professional in your correspondence. Okay. So, yeah. Well, thank you all. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm glad you didn't get bored. No, not at all. <laughs> 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 these, these long interviews are almost too short. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I just think I got stuff like it i mean we haven't even well, we're done now but uh yeah oh no it, but it's like but it's like even talking about okay tell me all about your books you yeah. know that's that's not gonna fit in five no. minutes no way okay here we are with the uh epilogue to this podcast i'd like to thank everybody michelle Jameis, and matt for meeting me and talking to me about the ins and outs of publishing um, there's a lot of good information there that doesn't usually get out to people. So if you're looking at becoming a writer, it might be a good place to start. And you'll get a lot of the overview and the concerns that publishers have in regards to talking to new writers. That's important. It might save a lot of time. Um, other than that, yeah, it's an interesting, fascinating world that a lot of people have dabbled in or had success in or find a good living in. So, you know, you never know. Put that pen to paper, put that finger to keyboard, put that mind into gear or free it and just let the, uh, let the spirits guide you. Some great books, I think, have been claimed to be written that way too. You never know. We'll put that to the test. Anyway, here we are, Manitobaville. Look for us on your favorite podcatcher. Tell all your friends. Uh, you can find us on social media. You can find us at manitobaville.ca, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah. You know, that's it. That's it for now. 
So hang in there. We're going to have some other interviews with other authors coming up, some old, some new, but all relevant. That's what we find. You can have a 10-year-old interview, and it's probably mostly still relevant, except for what the person was publishing at the time or promoting. So, uh, And we might catch up with one or two. We'll see if they're available to have a chat or if they're so hyper-famous that they don't have time for the little podcast that first interviewed them. <laughs> I doubt that's the case. They're so nice. They're all Manitobans. Manitobavillians. You cannot beat it. Okay, so here we go. Um, we're going to, we're gonna, I guess we're going to close the book now. We're going to put it back on the shelf until we open up the next one. All right, this is Mahangel. This is the Manitobaville podcast. You are you, and you're great. And we are copyright 2022 Rodeo Road Studios. <laughs>